Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 126, Previews in a Half Shell. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Robert. And welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is going to be a special edition, I guess, of previews. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're going to touch a little bit on the stuff that was in previews for September, and then we're going to delve into the stuff that was previews for October. Right. And then we're going to do... Kind of related to previews, we're going to talk some San Diego Comic Con talk. Right. Uh, some of the news. Yeah, and that's that's kind of previews talk. So um, we also have some listener feedback, uh, and uh, we have. Uh, I know Robert has seen Guardians of the Galaxy twice now. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen it once, so you know we're going to talk about that. I'd go again if anybody wants to go. Just let me know. <laughs> I definitely want to see it again. Um, <laughs> Before we get into the fun talk, unfortunately, there was some sad news that came out today, and I definitely wanted to talk about it because it's very, uh, for me, it's a very personal thing. Um, is the we just found out tonight that Robin Williams, the comedian and actor, uh, passed away uh, due to suicide, uh, which is extremely sad when it's when uh, someone passes away because of something like that. Um, I guess he was facing. Uh, deep depression and everything, and a lot of times it's often said that the people that make us laugh the most are the ones that are suffering the most uh, sometimes. So um, it's just a, a sad, you know, way to go, unfortunately. And uh, I, and the reason I say it's a very personal thing for me is because I grew up uh, watching stand-up comedians. My that's a thing that my dad and I shared together. And so I got to watch at ages that I probably shouldn't have been watching. <laughs> right. George Carlin, Richard Pryor, um, uh, you know, all the all the classics, Stephen Wright, things, you know, just all these great comedians, Rodney Dangerfield. And obviously Robin Williams was one of them. He I must have seen live at the Met at least a thousand times. Wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, I actually had the privilege to actually see him do stand up. Wow. Yeah. Um, he did his Broadway show, like, uh, stand-up tour, uh, like, a few years back. I think it was, like, maybe seven or eight years ago. And he did. He came to Cleveland. And I got to take 
my wife and my parents. So that was really cool because my dad got to be there to see Robin Williams live with me. So yeah, man, that sounds cool. Yeah, and it was absolutely hysterical. And there is a bit, however, in that show where he's talking about um, how do I put this politely? Uh, going down <laughs> on a woman. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he puts his mouth into his arm, and his arm, as you know, is very hairy. Oh, and man. I'm laughing my butt off up until the point where I turn and I see my dad is laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, you know what? I really don't need to know that my parents laugh at that, something like that. <laughs> um, but it was awesome. And that's why I said it has kind of a personal meaning for me is yeah. that I grew up watching stand-up comedians with my dad and I got to take my dad to go see Robin Williams perform live. Right. Um so that was really cool. Obviously, he was an amazing comedian, an amazing uh, actor, especially if you see movies like Goodwill Hunting and uh, uh, Dead Poet Society and stuff like that. So, which Goodwill Hunting? That was the first Oscar he got, right? Yes. Is that the only one he got? Only one he got. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, he deserved a lot more. Yeah. Um, I personally would have loved him to get an Oscar for uh, Good Morning Vietnam. I mean. Oh man, yeah. To me, that's that's my favorite movie he's ever done. So well, I think just, it's it's like whenever you carry a movie, you know what I mean. Oh yeah, and, and then it's a really good movie. I think you've got to be nominated, at least nominated, oh, yeah. and he certainly made that movie. Oh yeah, I mean that's where they just let him loose, and I would love nothing more than to see the tape footage that they didn't use oh, for that movie. <laughs> There's some actors, you know, like uh, Will Ferrell and others. You know, like you just know that the B-roll. Is just as awesome oh, yeah. as what they put on screen, you know, and you're, and they they just give the editor so many options. Yeah, well, and I think they even said that uh, for his Aladdin when he did the genie, I think they said there's something like three to four hours of material <laughs> that they weren't able to use. Yeah, well, um, I mean that was, that was a big reason. Um, there was kind of like a weird fallout between him and Disney for a while because of yeah. that, because he was like hired on to do a small bit part. Right. And he just went to town. I mean, yeah. he just <laughs> made up so much on the fly. Um, yep. that, and they included a lot of it. And yeah. then they, they, um, use his voice for a lot of the promos and stuff like that right. from his character. And he, yep. and he got paid for a tiny bit parts worth yep. of work, you know? Yeah. And so they just had all this stuff and they used a ton of it. And he was like, Hey, whoa, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that's the thing, too. He was just, like, he jokes about it, or joked about it uh, later on, saying, yeah. like, uh, that they would have to stop him sometimes because he'd go a little blue. And <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, remember, the mouse doesn't have a penis. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Things like that. So, um, now, two of the things that I will always remember for, remember for, aside from Live at the Met and seeing him in person is he did the movie um, Father's Fatherhood or Father's Day, Father's Day with yeah. Billy Crystal. Now, the movie's horrible, but <laughs> <laughs> the reason I remember him for that is because he went on Johnny Carson with Billy Crystal. Oh, man, yeah. And him and Billy Crystal took over the show. <laughs> they could not have any more guests on that night because they couldn't control Robin Williams and Billy Crystal. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not surprised. <laughs> So I always remember that, and then the other one uh, that I always remember with him was, uh, you know the show Inside the Actor Studio? Yeah. Where they interview like an actor, and they and it's in front of a, a audience of soon-to-be actors like going to school for acting. Yeah, those are really cool. 
they did one with Robin Williams, and those are normally an hour long, and this his was an hour and a half long. Yeah. And it's one it's it's got its serious moments and everything else, but it is one of the funniest things because again, he just lets loose. Yeah, I'm he surprised just... they're able to keep it that short, really. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was edited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so very very sad day just because again, losing one of the great comedians that was out there. So. Um, my mom or my mom called and my dad called and you know and said you know did you hear the news so they knew how important he was to me and my wife even made a comment saying oh uh, she's like I feel so bad for you you lost your buddy today <laughs> so yeah. Um, so yeah uh, but on to other topics uh, or unless you have some I don't know if you have something you wanted to add Robert or not but. No, not necessarily. I mean, obviously, I feel I mean, I feel the same way in that it's just it, it's sad that he would uh, that that would happen. But yeah, um, to, you know, it's it's a part of life and it's it's yeah. real. I mean, everybody deals with issues. So yeah, and not to not to get too dark, but to reveal a personal side of me, I did go through a time in my life where I thought about doing that. Yeah. Um, so I've been there. I understand how depression can get but because of that i actually came out the other side of it very positive and that's kind of how i am with the rest of my life that there's honestly no no point in my life i know this for a fact there's nothing that can happen in my life that will ever get me that depressed again um and the thing i will put out there for our listeners is if you think at any point in your life that that is worth doing it's not and if you think no one cares they do. So even if, and, and I've said this to actual friends and I consider a lot, a lot, if not all of our listeners to be friends, if you think no one else will listen, reach out to me, then send me an email or something like that. Cause I would rather email you and talk to you, give you my phone number and have you call me than if I, even though I've never met you, than to find out that one of our listeners took their own life because it's, it's not worth it. So and I've actually had to do that with friends in my past where I've talked to them throughout the night. So, right. So yeah. it's why I took psychology as a degree at one time. So, <laughs> so like I said, if, if anyone's out there, if you ever are getting that depressed about something, Hey, reach out to me. I have, I would be happy to talk to you and I would keep it all confidential and all personal. So, right. So, um, so on to happier topics, Robert. Yes. Uh, basically, what I'm pulling out of this yeah. is if you have an issue, call Ryan in the middle of the night. He'll talk right. you through it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it wouldn't be. <laughs> and now <laughs> you know. <laughs> and knowing is half the battle. <laughs> um, it wouldn't. Let's put it this way, Robert. W- they wouldn't be the first people to do it, and they probably won't be the last. <laughs> right, <ones. laughs> um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Awesome, awesome oh, movie. Man, so many good things about this. I, hands down. I think it's one of the best sci-fi movies I've seen in recent years. Yes. Um, it has all the elements of a good sci-fi movie, just a great action adventure on top of it. So right. in the context of the genre, I don't even think of it as a superhero movie. No. It, it's by far, it's certainly a sci-fi movie. And I yep. think it's, I mean... It's a little what, bit of a comedy, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, for, I, well, I went twice. The first time I went with a friend of mine, and then the next time I went with a group of, like, eight people. Okay. And... Um, even though I knew the laughs were coming, like the lines that were coming up, right? I still laughed just as hard, if not harder, because I knew they right. were coming, and I was right. able to pay attention to more of the background stuff or characters' reactions who weren't speaking. 
when yeah. you go through and watch it the second time, and they are just as priceless. There's facial oh, expressions yeah. and like just body language they're using that just cracks me up. And there's times I was laughing, not even because the the dialogue was funny, but it's because what people, other people are doing in the scene yeah. that the second time I watched it, I could pay attention to them. And, oh, Absolutely. man, it's so good. And I went and saw it in IMAX 3D because I was looking oh, for wow. it. I was looking forward to this movie all year long. So if you're looking forward to it all year long, you're going to go see it in IMAX 3D. <laughs> if I had one near me, I would. Maybe I can go down to St. Louis and watch it or something. But that yeah. that would be a way to watch it. I, I I bet that would be phenomenal in 3D. There's so much like they could yeah. do with that. So. And there, and just to let you know, because we haven't done any said anything yet, but there's a chance of a spoiler popping out of our mouths. I, I know there's there's a definite chance from me. <laughs> so if you haven't yeah. seen it, you might want to fast forward like five minutes or something. But yeah. um, but I mean, yeah, the the humor is is great. The action is fantastic. Are there weaknesses in the movie? Yeah, and I've heard people point them out. And you know what? I totally agree with the point the things that they point out. But I just don't care. I haven't even gone looking for any kind of negative review stuff. I think there might have I been think, one or two things in watching it the second time. I'm like, well, why didn't they just do that? You know, but yeah. it, I didn't give it much more thought than than yeah. that. So it wasn't like, um, and like yeah. some a couple of things that people pointed out was they thought that Ronan was could have been a little bit stronger of a character um, as far as like the acting. And I was like, okay, yeah, but I did get a bit of a Darth Vader vibe from him at times. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, and somebody actually made this comment in a review that I watched where they said, well, maybe some of the humor could have transferred to him. And I was like, no, the point of him being, Oh yeah. No, he you, shouldn't be funny at all. No, he should be the straight man for sure. And right. there was a couple moments though. His facial expressions made me laugh like crazy. Like, yes. and not because he was trying to be funny, but in the context of the scene, yeah. His surprise at other characters' actions or what they were doing, or like, there was that well, moment, and this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but there was that yeah. moment when his hammer cracks. Yeah. And it's like almost super slow mo, right? Yeah. And he's yeah. looking, his eyes are just like his facing forward, but his eyes are looking over at his hammer. Yeah. And it is so. <laughs> well, my favorite, my favorite part, as far as with, especially with humor with him, and, and granted, it was probably him in combination with um, Chris Pratt being Star Lord. And I'm not going to spoil it at all, but there's that scene where Chris Pratt is doing his thing in front it's of their Roman. battle. It's their battle. Yeah, and he's just like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I, he, I think he literally says that. He's like, "What, yes. what are you doing?" <laughs> And he's like, and Chris Pratt's like, okay, take it back. Because <laughs> he goes to Gamora. Yeah, yeah, he goes to Gamora to help out, and she's like, shakes her head no. And he's like, take it right back. And he's like, it's so odd. Well, and so here's good. the great thing about it, too. Here's the thing I love about the movie also, um, is there are so many quotes and one-liners in this movie, but they're not forced. They oh, just, yeah, man. They just work. And that's something I've been missing from the 80s movies is in movies nowadays is there's not a lot of one liner quotable lines in this movie. There is a ton of them. <laughs> well, and speaking of eighties, uh, movies, <laughs> oh, this... <laughs> I never would have thought you'd get a Ke- Kevin Bacon reference in a guardians yes. of the galaxy. movie. <laughs> Let's see the legend of footloose. <laughs> we are just like Kevin Bacon. Well, that was oh. another part I loved was the soundtrack to the movie is phenomenal. Oh my God. It's like great '70s like pop and and rock songs, yeah, late '70s, early '80s type music, yeah. and but it's not just there in the background for no reason. They it's worked it the into story. the plot. Like yeah. it's a big part of the plot. Like why yeah. 
that would be the soundtrack. And it, that was so well done. I thought the it writing you, was phenomenal. Yeah, it makes you... Uh, it The music has an emotional attachment to the story. Big time. Well, and even the way the movie like, started, there's, there's two or three moments that you can get really emotionally invested in the characters. Yeah. And for me, the first one is right at the beginning with, uh, you know, Peter Quill as a boy. Yeah. And then there's another moment where you just, like, love the the partnership of Groot and Rocket. Yes. Where you're just like, dang, man. You know, you just want to give a yeah. bro hug. And you're just like, yeah. man, that's awesome. Well, and you feel bad for Rocket, and so does Peter Quill when he sees them after they get showered or whatever. You know, yeah. they get sprayed and stuff like that. Because, and someone pointed this out on uh, Pop, Pop Culture uh, Leftovers podcast, they were saying there's a whole thing at the very beginning, which I missed the first time, where Peter got in the fight as a little boy because they the other kids were squashing a frog. That's right, yeah. And right. so you could tell he has... He didn't want that to happen, which is why he got in a fight with the other kids. Well, so now he sees Rocket, who is this animal who got taken apart and put back together. So Over and over. Over and over. So he's now emotionally attached to Rocket and feels right. bad for him. So, like, there's there's this whole history that takes place in this one movie yeah. um, of the characters. And it's deep, but it's still, like, fun. I mean, that's the thing. This movie was just fun. From the comedy to the action and everything else, there was maybe one slow part in the whole movie, and it wasn't even that slow. <laughs> no, there was, and I loved like kind of the big Marvel universe um, references or Easter eggs, like seeing uh, one of those giant celestials, right, with yes. one of the gyms just like stomp with his huge like staff on the ground of this planet, and the planet is wiped out. Just seeing like a huge celestial on the screen, yeah, and you're like, and then Dang. of course the post credit scene which i won't spoil it for anyone but that was that cracked me up and there's been people that have complained about that even and i'm like right and well because they're like it should be a setup for the next the avengers 2 because this is the last movie before avengers 2 and i'm like the whole movie was a setup to probably avengers 3 yeah exactly (laughs) no yeah that's that's a little too connected because there's why would anything happening out in space right now affect avengers 2 with ultron no it should be it's totally setting up Avengers three, yeah. Which yeah. I, there'll be a second Guardians movie before Avengers three. Oh yeah. Um, I think it's the one right before it. So they could do. They it'll could lead right done, into it. They could have done no other Marvel movies and just done these, and I would have been ecstatic. Oh man, um. no, I just, I just, I think it's awesome. I was worried Guardians would flop because I, I didn't know what it would do going into it, and it's such an right. unknown property. But I right. think what they've done is brilliant. They they had a great. Oh, yeah. Uh, writer and director, or a team of writers. It was directed extremely well, perfectly cast, and yeah. and those are with all the money that's getting dumped into these. That's like a perfect formula for yeah. a great movie. And I think uh, what Marvel has done is brilliant. They've created a brand that people say, "Oh, it's a Marvel movie." Well, I'll go right. see it. And what do you know? The characters are not right. Absolutely. So now you can introduce characters that they're just sitting on. I mean, they make right. some money from the comics. They might make a few, you know, for Guardians of the Galaxy, they weren't, nobody knew who these characters were, right? You're not yeah. going out and seeing toys of these characters until it becomes a movie. Well, did you hear how Rocket Raccoon issue number one sold? No. It sold 300,000 copies. <laughs> I don't doubt it. And now, granted, there was a store that bought 100,000 copies. Like, they do this distribu- distribution thing, so they bought 100,000 copies to put into their distribution boxes or something like that. But still, even if you take that 100,000 out of there, 
that sold 200,000 copies. That's still a top 10 book easy. Exactly. It's a number one book. Yeah, really. <laughs> so, and I read the number one issue. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I read the legendary Star Lord that came out number one. That was really fun to read. Oh. Um, so I mean, it's it's definitely caught on with a lot of people, and rightfully so. And like I said, and I will say Chuck couldn't be with us here tonight. He had some uh, family matters that happened, and you know, just keep his family in your thoughts and prayers. It was nothing life or death, thankfully, but just keep them in your thoughts. But Chuck went and saw it, and he was just like, it was okay. It was a good movie. He goes, I don't think, he says, I think it's overhyped. Did he so, see it alone? Uh, I don't know. I think a big part, it's one of those movies, too, that if you go with friends who can appreciate the Marvel Universe and that type of humor, it's a blast. Yeah. I think if you go with your own, you're like, huh, cool. You know, yeah. you're not going to be as likely to laugh out loud at the really good moments. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, two of my favorite things in the whole movie, and, again, I apologize for any spoilers here. You can fast forward a few, a minute or whatever, but... <laughs> Rocket going, and I still laugh just thinking about it. He's like, I need that guy's eye. <laughs> oh my gosh. And he's like, No, seriously, he's like it's really special to, to me. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> just like laughing over to the yeah. side. He's like, No, really, oh. it's really special to me. <laughs> he was like, He goes, uh, Well, I got the leg. He's like, I don't need that leg. He's like, What? He goes, yeah, I didn't need that leg. He goes, he goes, that leg cost me 30,000 units. He goes, I, I know. Did you see the look on his face? I bet it was priceless. It was totally worth it, right? What did he look like? What is it? Was he hobbling around? He's like, no, man. Oh, and then the other one is is that emotional moment where the, they all finally come together as a team. And then Rocket finally gives in and he goes, all right, fine. I'm standing up. We're just all standing up like a bunch of jackasses. <laughs> It's just one of those like real uh, build build them up like you can really feel yeah. like the emotions and you know Star Lord is standing Groot standing and they're all joining and then you know <laughs> they're all like each one by one saying yes I will join you Star Lord I'll join you Peter Quill <laughs> and Rocket's just sitting there he's like fine he stands up great now we're all standing <laughs> just stand like a bunch of jackasses know, it's, it's like it's one of those tropes where they say just hang a lantern on it you know it's like right. hanging a lantern on that trope of Yes. You know, let's let's all get together as a team. We can do it. And then right. they, but then a character points it out how ridiculous right. that kind of is, and it's just right. funny because of that. And the great thing is, is that yes, Rocket was hilarious, and he definitely stole the show. But I thought Star Lord was equally as hilarious and equally as important of a character. Yeah, just, I mean, just as good. I mean, every, every single one of them that each had their moments. Like when when Groot was smashing all those soldiers, like, wall yes. to wall to wall, and then he turns and smiles real big. Yes. <laughs> and then, or like a draft. Who he just takes everything literally? Yes. Well, I love I love when Drax goes. You, Peter Quill, are my friend. You, giant tree creature, are my friend. You, green whore, are my. And, and she's she like, goes, whoa! Enough with the green whore. <laughs> um. But uh, and this was in the in one of the trailers. But I love the scene too, where he's uh, Peter Quill's asked because when Rocket and Peter Quill interact is probably the best scenes, and he's like. Uh, What's that there? And he explains what it is. And he goes, well, what's that? And he goes, it's a bomb. He says, and you just leave it lying around. <laughs> He's like, I was going to put it in a box. He goes, put it in a box? What's that going to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, it, it was just a, such a phenomenal show across across the board. I, I really dug it. I mean. Yeah. The uh, way I've described it is I felt like I was eight years old again watching a movie. And I haven't felt that way in a very long time. So. 
All right, you ready to talk some preview? Or actually, we got some listener feedback. Yeah, let's do that. All right, cool. So, um, I have not seen the Turtles movie yet. Uh, I don't know if you have or not. No, I haven't. I do want to see it. There's a few movies I want to see. Uh, the Planet of the Apes one, Turtles. There's a couple others, and I haven't seen those yet. So, so we did have... Um, I don't. I read the email, and I don't think there's really a whole really any spoilers necessarily uh but we got an email from thomas blake who saw the movie and i will warn you ahead of time he is not a fan <laughs> of oh no yeah he's a fan of us not a fan of the movie <laughs> okay so and it's a little lengthy but I'll, I'll do my best to get through this um because i don't know if i really agree with all of his points even though i haven't seen the movie so he says hey star joe's just reading my review of the film this uh film lacked soul he says, first problem with the film, they put a lot of focus on April O'Neil and less on the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I think Bay might put his fingers here because this is the uh, same thing he does with Transformers films. He puts more focus on the humans than the Transformers. He says, right. Me- Megan Fox was a bad choice for April O'Neil. Uh, throughout this movie, Megan Fox seems so dead in the face, she barely had any emotion or awareness in her scenes. Yeah. Uh, he says, I had a hard time buying her as a close friend of the Turtles and uh, Tough as Nails news reporter, which that is the one thing I had heard is that she's not very good acting in the movie, which was my fear to begin with anyways. Right. But um, I did hear the Turtles were actually really good. So, um, Like the characterization and the voices? Yeah. So he says, Will Arnett as Vernon Fenwick brought nothing except his usual smart mouth lines. In the cartoon, Vernon is a selfish coward. In this film, Will Arnett just played a smart mouth who's trying to get a date with April. Uh, He says, why was Whoopi Goldberg in this movie? Which I didn't even know she was in the movie. Yeah. Uh, He said, those two scenes she appeared in could have been done by anyone. He says, with the case of the Turtles look in the film, I feel this was a case of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The Turtles have lasted 30 years with just wearing masks, knee, knee and elbow pads, and belts to hold their weapons. Why would... Why they felt the need to put all the extra garbage on them made no sense. The one that looked the worst out of the four was Donatello. Yeah, he had a lot of stuff on him. Yeah. But here's the thing. It's not an accurate statement to say that the Turtles through 30 years have only worn the knee pads and the mask, because there's been versions and there's been things done with the Turtles where they are wearing other stuff. And Um, and they have had an evolution of looks. I mean, they don't look like they did in the 80s. You know what I mean? So it's like People have played with the look of the turtles, their proportions, uh, based on personalities, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's evolved. So, and other than the nostrils, I really didn't mind the look of the turtles for this movie. I mean, I from what I've seen, I don't like the nostrils and I don't like the lips. Um, I I don't mind the changes, but when I do see people go in with Photoshop and adjust it and make it look like sure. it could have been, then I'm like, oh yeah, that looks way better. You know, without the nostrils and lips and stuff. Okay, that said, I'm, but I will almost always argue for don't be so nitpicky on a movie yeah. when it comes to a property because they're going to change it. Right. It's inevitable because it can't translate exactly anyway. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they have a larger demographic, a larger audience. They're going to make changes. So I would rather there be a live action Turtles movie than none at all. It's right. kind of my same approach to G.I. Joe. Like, whether you like yeah. the movies or not. I'm glad I got to see a Snake Eyes Storm Shadow fight on screen. Sure. And in this case, as long as they get the brotherly connection between the turtles, show their skills, don't make them like seem silly or like 
they can't do anything, you know, show that they're competent ninjas. Yeah. Then, you know, what else, you know, why be so nitpicky? Like, go and enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, it is a long email, so let me okay, see if I can going. get through the rest of this. So he says, uh, how is Donatello supposed to be flipping around and doing ninja <laughs> moves with all that tech gear on so his now back? now he's getting into physics, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the glasses were uh, the glasses were necessary, and whoever voiced Donatello failed. Donatello is supposed to be the smart one, but he shouldn't sound and look like a wimpy geek. Right. Uh, he says Splinter looked gross and scary. Also, he lacked wisdom and the fatherly virtues, as he's had in other interpretations. They did try to give him a, a sage old voice, but it felt sh- it fell short compared to the '87 Splinter, the 1990 film Splinter, the 2003 Splinter, and the 2007 film Splinter. Um, he says, by not having Hamato Yoshi connection, uh, having a Hamato Yoshi connection, you lose the tragedy that gives depth to Splinter character. Uh, the original comic in the 2003 series, he lost his father. The 87 series, he lost his humanity. The IDW series, he lost his family. The 2012 series, he lost his humanity and his daughter. In this version, he does he doesn't lose anything. Which that's the only other thing I heard about this movie that I wasn't a fan of was that there's no connection between Splinter and Shredder. Um, yeah, but like you said, they're going to change things. So, um, and obviously there's been changes to, he just pointed out a whole bunch of changes towards their connections in the past. So, um, he says having splinter learn ninjutsu from a book instead of learning it from Hamato Yoshi or being Hamato Yoshi didn't work for me. Yeah. I don't like that idea. Yeah, he says, I feel martial arts is one of those things. You have to see the physical demonstration of the motions. It can't be learned easily from a book. He says, that Shredder outfit looked ridiculous. I kept thinking it was Skeletor, and all he was missing was a haddock staff. <laughs> <laughs> he says, as we've seen in the comics and the 2003 series, you don't have to stack a bunch of blades on Shredder to make him menacing. When the Turtles were fighting Shredder, it reminded me of a, a bad S- Silver Samurai fight in the Wolverine movie. Um, just a couple more paragraphs here. So he says oh, the Foot Clan, be- <laughs> says the Foot Clan being soldiers instead of ninjas made the fight scenes less fun. With the Foot Clan using guns instead of weapons, some fight scenes are spent with the turtles def- uh, deflecting bullets instead of fighting ninja to ninja. Yeah. The he says the change of the origin to make April not only name them and also save their lives was a little too convenient for my taste. Why would a little girl? have the sense of awareness to put these lab pets into the sewer while her father is dying. Here's a plot issue. Wasn't it said by the turtles they can't let the tower fall? So that's, I'm not going to get into that because that's revealing something in the story. Um, He says, I know kids will probably love this movie, so that's great for the franchise. Going into this film, I figured there was no way this version would be worse than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. He says, I was wrong. This is worse than that. <laughs> oh, no. He says, now I am saying that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... He says, I'm not saying that Ninja Turtles 3 is a masterpiece. It's awful. However, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 is so bad at points, it's entertaining, and it gave a sense of effort. Uh, outside of the CGI, in terms of some of the acting, the writing and editing, it didn't seem anyone was trying in this film. And that was from Thomas. Right. Um, I don't... I don't I hope I don't alienate Thomas by saying this, but I honestly think Thomas went into this movie thinking he wasn't going to like it because he picked apart everything in the movie. Right. Well, I mean, but maybe all that stuff is so obvious. He might've wrote the email right as he came out and it was all kind of fresh in his mind. I don't, um, there are some valid points there. I think why mess with 
uh, an established origin. Like having April name the turtles, that's very weird. Yeah. Uh, the Foot Clan not being ninjas, like why? That's part of the best part of the premise of you know who they fight and stuff you know it's right show ninjas who doesn't like ninjas why make them foot soldiers you know yeah so that kind of stuff i could see being upset about uh or or not feeling like traditional turtles because of it right but to me i i don't have a problem going into a movie and completely partitioning my mind and just enjoying the movie for what it is yeah and And, i might and if you can go and enjoy that movie then well done for them they made a good movie yeah and i've heard most people have said positive things about it. people that said that they weren't looking forward to it have said positive things about it. So I'm going in, I'm going to go into it. Like you said, seeing what they could do. The reason I don't like the transformers movies at this point is because I've seen what they're doing with them and I don't like it. Um, I haven't seen what they've done with the turtles. I've only seen the trailers and that's not enough for me to make a decision. Now, if I go into this movie and like it, I'll go see the next one. If I go into it and say, you know what? Thomas was totally right. <laughs> then I'm not going to go see the next one. So, yeah. um, it's, it's not getting a good rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It's like 20%. But I know like one of our listeners, Grub, uh, Eric Grub, he, he's, picks movies apart and he's and his statement which i know is not the best statement in the world but his statement was you know what it wasn't as bad as i thought it was gonna be <laughs> yeah and, and he did point out some of the things he liked and i've heard good things as far as like the turtles themselves that the turtles themselves were done pretty well um, well i think it will really appeal to kids that are like say 10 to 16 yeah um i think because they're young enough that they're into the new turtles that have come out Yes. And uh, they're old enough that they just want to see this kind of action movie, but with like characters, you know. I, yeah. You know, something not as heavy as Expendables, but something not as light, you know, as uh, you know, Power Rangers or whatever, you know, just like something in between. Yeah. Uh, my my nephew is fourteen, and he was way excited about it. Like it was, yeah. it was one of the movies he wanted to see this summer. So. Yeah, and I think for a lot of kids, it's going to be what the '90s movie was for us. Because um, yeah. I love the the first '90s movie, and yeah. Well, that one's actually really good. Yeah, and then I really love, and I didn't watch it until I think Quinn and you mentioned it was Turtles Forever, as far as an animated. Oh side yeah, of things. and that one was like, good too. Yeah, yeah. Like I thought that was fantastic. So, um, so I have my Turtles movie. So I'll go see this one, and if if I don't like it, then I won't go see it. But the reason I get more upset about the Transformers movies is because I never had a live action movie until these ones came out. Right, yeah. And I'm not a fan of what they did. <laughs> so, um, well, my, yeah. my biggest thing is I don't care if you change how the characters look as much like with Transformers that they obviously changed how they look. Right. Um, there are some little pet peeves like the nostrils on the turtles and a mouth on Optimus prime. You right. know, lips on snake eyes. Some It just doesn't right. make sense to me visually. But right. if they hold true to the characters, then I don't care. Right. So for the most part, the Transformers, I really like uh, Optimus Prime in those movies. Yes. Yes. Um, but beyond one or two side Transformer characters, they all blend in together. They don't have nearly the you know, individuality that they always had in the cartoon. And that's my problem is I do agree. I think Optimus Prime for the most part has done very well in those movies, but he's the only for me yeah, personally. Stands out. Yeah. He's the only thing that stands out as a positive for those movies for me. Yeah. And and it's not even just uh I've gotten in debates with people because they're like, well you can't let go of the G one 
Transformers, and I'm like, well, number one, there's a reason I can't let go of that, but <laughs> it's because <laughs> they actually had characters and personality yeah. and stuff like that. But I said I've accepted many other versions of Transformers. I love Beast Wars. I um, I like I love the uh, Transformers Armada comic. TV show was okay. Right. Um, like Transformers Prime, I thought was done very well. I really enjoyed that. So there's other, there's been other versions of Transformers that I have enjoyed. Transformers Animated, I thought was really good and a lot of fun. But this, I just can't get behind it. So um, I've watched the first three in the theaters. I'm not going to watch the fourth one. I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't so. think I'll end up watching the fourth one in theaters. I, I didn't either. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so. Anyways, uh, a couple a couple other emails. These ones are a bit shorter. Okay. Um, so we got an email from uh, Sean, who has never contacted us before. So remember in episode one twenty five, I said, "Hey, if you've never contacted us before, feel free to reach out to us." Yeah, um, Sean did. <laughs> so, awesome. So he says, "Hey guys, just finished listening to episode one twenty five, and just wanted to congratulate you on the long run so far, and looking forward to the next one hundred twenty five episodes." He says, "You all." do a great job and make my hour and a half ride to and from work fly by. I have to say the G.I. Joe animated episodes are my favorite, uh, as are all the Joe-related episodes, but I enjoy the other stuff too, as I'm a kid of the 80s as well. Don't want to ramble on too long here, and then he put in parentheses, too late. <laughs> he says, but just a couple of things from the last episode that I wanted to comment on. I think it would be awesome if the Joe subscription service did a set of The Plague. Um, he, oh, says, yeah. I, he says, I know Robert did some redesigns on those costumes a while back, and they look cool, so I would like to see them in action figure form. Plus, it would be nice to have some new blood in the line. Well, <laughs> what? Oh, sorry, is he still going? No, go ahead. What'd you have? Okay, so <laughs> the plague was really interesting. They, it would not be very hard <laughs> to make a a package group of those toys because it's almost the exact same body, <laughs> pants, and a like ribbed turtleneck s- sweater with a different viper mask. That's all it right. was, you know. Just like <laughs> just paint the viper viper mask, you know, in a monotone gray. Give them a black. <laughs> <laughs> a black uh, you know, rib turtleneck sweater, regular military pants and boots. Um, the only changes you need to make is give the ninja guy some more ninja boots, and there's a female like, but munitia. But uh, it would not well, be very hard. They should do it. Yeah. Well, and I actually thought of another idea uh, just recently, as far as a, a pack that I think would sell, and I think it would be awesome to do is, uh, and it's based off of some comments that we've made. What if they did a comics pack where it's off the Marvel G.I. Joe uh, series and they picked characters or looks for characters that only appeared in the comic? So um, I know when we joked about, but I could actually see it being made into a figure is the pimp daddy stalker with his white (laughs) (laughs) white suit. Um, Or you have characters like Billy, who they've never done as a figure before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and he appeared in the comics. So. I think that's the best when they do a figure of, of a character that's never been offered. And I know that that's hard to find, but there are sure. a few. And in fact, I'm actually doing package art for one of the characters that's going to be released through the club this next year uh-huh. that has never been made into a figure. Nice. And I'm so excited. I can't say anything else about I know, it. you can't say but anything man, else. Man, <laughs> it's going to be awesome! <laughs> I'm having so I'm working on it tonight actually, right as we get I needed to finish up the inks and then send it over to him, but I'm I, pumped. 
we need to just start record. I need to like actually travel out to Springfield and just start recording in your studio so I can, <laughs> so see, you can see what I'm doing. <laughs> what you're doing. <laughs> I know, man. Uh, but I did think of a comics pack, like a Marvel comics pack, where it's like looks of characters or characters that only appeared in the comic series. See, yeah. um, I think that would be kind of cool. That so. would be very cool. Yeah, that's a really good idea for a set. So, um, so he says, also, Robert, I think your drawings and art style is awesome. Wanted to defend you from the shoddy treatment you were receiving last episode. Ha ha. <laughs> he says, I've been drawing for a long time and can't make the jump to make my stuff look as professional and as polished as your work. So I respect the hell out of people who draw professionally. Anyway, that's all for now. Keep up the good, uh, good work. Best regards, Sean. Cool. Well, thank you very um, much, Sean. I'm glad you, you wrote in. Um, yeah. I appreciate the compliments. That's not why I'm glad you wrote in. <laughs> I'm really glad you wrote in because you made me sound awesome. So, uh, well, his name is Sean, Sean Durden. And the reason I mentioned his last name is because you give the pronunciation for it. You said it's pronounced like Tyler Durden from Fight Club. People always say Durden. So, um, so but no. If you Sean punching himself in the face, you know what's going on. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Because I want to clear the air here, because I know, Robert, you understood why we were making the comments we were making, but maybe <laughs> some of our listeners didn't understand why we were making the comments. <laughs> Chuck and I are huge fans of Robert's art, and Robert knows that. Like, yeah. if I could have Robert draw every comic book I read, I would, uh, in a heartbeat, because his drawings are awesome. The reason we poke fun at Robert <laughs> is, number one, to humble him, because if he keeps hearing how awesome it is, he's never going to make it to a con, because he won't be able to make it out of his door. <laughs> right. <laughs> but... Um, in one of our, by my head, just like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> grappling hook comes in through the roof, picks me up by my head. In some of our early episodes, when we had Robert on as a ho- as a guest, yeah. um, one of our listeners and a friend of ours and Robert, Keith Knudsen from DC Noise, <laughs> pointed out that in a one panel, rock and roll, I think it was rock and roll, had yeah, it was rock and roll. On, had a gun on his back. In the next panel, he didn't have the gun, and on the next panel, he had the gun again. <laughs> He pointed this out to Robert. Then I think it was when you actually appeared on an episode of DC Noise that he got really drunk and started talking about how you draw characters barrel chested. Yeah, he did. And that turned he into goes, a thing. He goes, man, man, Robert, is everything about you? It's just barrel chested. I was like, what? And then I think like Daryl and Mike thought he was talking about me personally, like that I have a right. barrel-chested body, like he was talking about my body. <laughs> They're like, whoa, whoa, what? And he's like, when you draw, the men you draw, they're all barrel-chested. They're just, you know, like a barrel. And I'm like, okay. And then <laughs> and then I went and like photoshopped a half a dozen barrels on characters I've drawn. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> like around their chest. Like, I... Like, whenever people comment about my art, even when they're serious, seriously don't like it, you know, and they're criticizing me seriously, like, that's yeah. fine. I went through six years of college and getting ripped apart every week because I put stuff on the sure. on the walls. That's the point. Like, you don't get right. better unless you can take that and move on and, and apply right. stuff. You know, uh, people calling me out on G.I. Joe whenever I would draw a beret wrong or I would draw um, a certain type of um, – gun too large or something like that made me go and research it and do it right, right from that point yeah. on so and that's like, what I was gonna yes, say. it makes you want to go stuff. and yeah it makes you want to go back and find out okay how do i do this because <laughs> and, and, and i still make mistakes where i draw something in one panel and then you forget to draw it in another 
but right. I'm much more aware of it now ever since <laughs> he called me out on it years ago. So it makes me a better artist. I don't mind it. I don't mind and to, it. And to Keith's defense, too, Keith is a fan of your art also. <laughs> yeah, see, this uh, is after I met Keith at a convention. The first time we met was at a show, and he came and complimented me on this stuff I've done with G.I. Joe. I was set up with Chuck Dixon. We had a, a nice conversation. He bought my art book, which he doesn't do at shows. It, right. He made a point of mentioning he doesn't buy art yep. books, but he picked mine up, and I appreciated that. And then what was funny, though, was he was like he was on um, DC Noise talking about how I made mistakes on the book. And then I think he was on another podcast, too, that I happened to listen to the exact same week. And he was going on and on about how I made mistakes on the book. And then I was like, man, Keith Knutson, like, I think that guy's familiar. He's like trashing me everywhere he goes, you know. And then I went, well, I went on their forum, and on the forum he's posting about how he did it wrong. I'm like, Keith, what's up? I totally call him out, and he's like, what? Well, and here's the thing too, because I think we said, does anyone have? We're going to have Robert on as a guest. Does anyone have any questions? And he had us ask you about the gun disappearing. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. And you were, and by this point, you had already heard him mention it on other shows. <laughs> and I was like, man, who's this guy? He's going around calling me out. And then he, then you, like I said, then you appeared on their show. And for those of you who don't know Keith, when there's somebody that's going to be on that's special on the show, yeah. he gets nervous. So what he does is he drinks normally on the show, but he really drinks when he, someone he else drinks comes. a lot. Yeah. When someone is coming on, and when Ro- he knew Robert was coming on, he drank a lot. <laughs> it's been a rare show that I've done with DC Noise where he hasn't just been plastered. Yes. But it makes for a better show, so I don't mind. <laughs> his his latest one uh, that he, him and Mike and Daryl did was hilarious because he was full tilt plastered. Man, so. You never know where the conversation is going to go. Yeah, but so it's it, a lot of fun. Anyway, yeah, just so everybody knows, I don't take any of it seriously. Uh, I know they're just my friends and joking around. And uh, But even when people are critical, I I take it to heart, not that it hurts my feelings, but I think as a craft, as a professional, I take that input and I do my best to make it better. So Yeah. And uh, so we also got a uh, message on Facebook from Matt Anderson. Uh, and he sent a message, and then a little bit later he sent a question. So I'll read his message, and then I'll also get into his question. But he said, Hi, Ryan, Chuck, and Robert. Just listened to episode 125 and wanted to take a minute to send you a message of thanks. As always, you delivered another great show, which I will say, episode 125 was a pain in the ass to edit. <laughs> I can only imagine. That stupid kept cutting out, man. Kept cutting out, and it, the, oh, it was a nightmare, but I was very happy with how it came out. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I was impressed. I, I didn't know how you were going to do it. Yeah, for those of you that weren't there that night. I didn't know what was usable. I was like, how is this possible? It was terrible. Uh, yeah, I pers- uh, hey, I pull stuff out of my ass. Yeah, good time. job. What? <laughs> <laughs> Good thing you don't say that to Drax. He would take it very literally. <laughs> why do you pull stuff out of that? I know. Why would you keep things in there? Why okay. did, Who put the sticks in the people's asses? <laughs> yeah, oh, that was funny. Yes. Okay, so anyways, he says, as always, you delivered another great show. And of all the podcasts I listen to, which is several, yours is my favorite and the one I most look forward to. Man, that's so cool. That is awesome. That It's comments like that that make it all worth it, so... Yeah. So he says, I started listening to you back in spring of 2011 when looking for G.I. Joe podcasts and instantly felt like I was listening to people that had the same thoughts I did. Uh, He says, even though I haven't interacted with you much aside from a few Facebook comments, it seems like I've known you for years from listening to your shows. 
Uh, he says, it was great when Robert came aboard, since I feel like I'm kind of a mix of the three of you and Myers, which we've kind of found out from a lot of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, he says, also, this is truth. Uh, also, this is truthful as Robert as is one of my absolute favorite comic artists. No one draws a better Snake Eyes than him. He says, I'm 34 years old, so the 80s properties were were and still are huge to me, along with Marvel and DC as well. You will get a big kick out of this, as G.I. Joe is my favorite of all the 80s properties, and my favorite character is Duke, and a very, very, very close second is Flint. <laughs> so, yeah, so he is a mix between us and Chuck, I suppose. Yes, he is. <laughs> he says, maybe I'm the rare one that likes them both a ton. Anyway, thank you for all the work you put into the podcast. I truly appreciate it, Matt Anderson. Okay, see, I don't... It's not that I dislike Duke. Right. Uh, well, maybe a little. No. <laughs> I I like them both. But to yeah. me, Flint was the one who carried the team yeah. <laughs> so many times. <laughs> at least at least in the cartoon. So, anyway. I do, and I like them both also. And we've always said that on the show. And, and Chuck likes Flint. He just likes them less. Yeah, we, we each have our own look. Like, one edges out the other for different reasons, right. but... Although Chuck and I have both said, and I don't know where you fall in line with this, but someone threw out the question about General Hawk. Yeah. They said, where does he rank? And I said, well, for me, it's Flint, Hawk, and then Duke. (laughs) And for Chuck, it was Duke, Hawk, and then Flint. See, I think, well, as far as in terms of who I like the best, I would say, well, it's hard for me to class them together because I just think Hawk's in charge. Like, he's the man. So it's... You, you're not going to expect him to be like field leader as much. Sure. So when you do get chances to see him do that, you're like, man, Hawk's awesome because he is. He's very cool. Oh yeah, he is. Um, but where I don't would know. You put him? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I mean, I would probably go Flint, Hawk, and then Duke probably. Okay. So I thought you were going to be that one that was like Flint, Duke, and then Hawk, and then we all three of us were very different from each other. I know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, but, it's tough. I, I think yeah. I. I respect Hawk more than Duke. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Hawk so has anyway, not been captured nearly as many times. Right. So he's got that going for him. <laughs> so I did respond to uh, to him and let him know that his, I would read his email on or his message on either episode 126 or 127 because I didn't know which one we were going to do first. Right. And uh, so he says, cool, thanks, Ryan. Hopefully I'll run into you guys at a convention someday. That's really nice of you to read uh, my email on the air. A question I have for whenever it works for your show is this. Of the five major properties you cover, so Star Wars, Transformers, Joe, He-Man, and and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So Star Wars, Transformers, Joe, He-Man, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He says, what is the order of your favorite to least favorite, knowing that you like all of them, of course. Right. He he says, I think you and Chuck maybe did this uh, way back in the early days, but curious if your tastes have changed and also what Roberts would be. uh, He says, for reference, mine would be G.I. Joe, Transformers, Masters, Star Wars, and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He goes, thanks again, and I look forward to episode 126 and 127. Oh, okay. Um... Well, go ahead and say yours. I know yours. I know okay. yours pretty well, but go ahead and say yeah. yours. I would say for me, and this changes again. Like he said, tastes change. I would say for me right now, it's Star Wars is always number one. That's never going to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew that for sure on you. <laughs> um, I would say then Transformers, then GI Joe, and those two flip flop all the time. Yeah. 
uh, then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Masters of the Universe. But like he said, I do love all of them. So, yeah. uh, I know it's crazy. It's it's like picking which is your favorite child, and you have five right. of them. You know, it's right. You love them all for and for different reasons. Like I, I'm terrible at favorites. Like I was okay off the top of my head. I would say Joe, uh, He Man. Turtles, Transformers, Star Wars. Okay. Oh. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. I You grew up on Star Wars more than I, I did. I know. Um, I, know. I grew up with the 80s cartoons. Like, was a big influence on me wanting to be an artist, all that kind of stuff. Me creatively. So, yeah. I say that. Um, you know, I've got... Uh, out of all the toys I have currently, probably Joe is the least amount of toys I have, which is crazy. But I have a life-size bust of Snake Eyes, you know? And I've got... <laughs> Like the sideshow um, statues of turtles that I absolutely love is what some of my prized possessions. I've got masterpiece transformers. I've got the flag outside, you know, of my yeah. studio. I've, so it's like I'm I'm so invested in surrounding myself with every one of these. I have every you know He Man's classic figure in the in the Castle Grayskull. Like I, to me, I surround myself with that stuff and I absolutely yeah. love it. I've got the uh, my Ad At Walker and my Millennium Falcon outside that yeah. the kids play with. You know, it's just. Every single one of these properties, I, I see and interact with every day, and I absolutely love it. So yeah, I mean well, it's hard to it's hard to yeah. rank that kind of stuff. Well, and that's the thing. I'm in my in my studio room right now, and I'm surrounded by all of those things. There, right. I I have Metroplex standing next to Voltron. Uh, I, have, <laughs> I, well, I know, and that doesn't even tap into the other great '80s properties, right? That, you know that we've got stuff and 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 care a lot about. So right. And I've got uh, not too far from them. I have the Adat Walker, so I got these three giant things there. Yeah. I got Boba Fett pointing a gun at me right now, and <laughs> and and then next to him is a Stormtrooper, a six inch uh, Star Wars Black Series Stormtrooper, standing inside my Green Lantern mug that Rock gave me at a convention. <laughs> and next to them is Kermit the Frog and Jim Henson from the Muppets Palisades figures right. playing their banjos. And then next to that, I got from Travis. Link, his little pixel link thing that he oh, he made. Yeah, man. So I have See, all I, that, <sighs> and then I've got the uh, Castle Gray Skull behind me, and above me I have He Man riding Battle Cat. I mean, I got a Rancor on top of my one <laughs> shelf. I mean, I'm surrounded by all this stuff. I got yeah. the turtles on my shelf that's behind me right now, which has it's the Nickelodeon tur- turtles and stuff. So I, I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, like you said, I'm just surrounded by this stuff, and well, I love and I, it all. For me, I think the ones that can flip-flop is uh, Transformers, He-Man, and TMNT. And the reason why it flips is what is out at the moment that's getting me excited about that property. Yes. So it could be a toy line that's released, a new cartoon, a new movie. Um, you know, so there's... You know, it's... It, yeah, yeah those can definitely flip-flop. Outside of those five, yeah. can you name what's maybe your next three? Like, take those five, set them aside. Um, my what next are three? your next three? Wow. Uh, next three would probably be Mask, yeah, Ultron, and Thundercats. Yeah, see, yeah, I would say uh, Robotech would be up there too. Yeah, I was gonna say for me it would. Be, I was about to say that Thundercats, then Voltron, then Robotech, for me. And I like those three better than Mask. I did like Mask a lot, but yeah. 
but yeah, it's just, I mean, there isn't, there, there's very few, I shouldn't say there isn't any, but there is very, very few 80s properties that I don't love for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, and I think that comes across on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, though, too, it depends on what's out at the time. So like, like I would love nothing better than for G.I. Joe to do what Star Wars did with the Black Series. I would love some six-inch, high-detailed G.I. Joe figures. And oh if Hasbro gosh. did something like that, I'd go broke. then, yeah, I would definitely go broke <laughs> because I'm already collecting the Star Wars Black Series. Yeah, ones. but I would and, that would be awesome. I would kill for that. Like, yeah. I'm I'm not as much of a um, – I've got to have every three-and-three-quarter inch. And I loved them when I was kids. But I, as I'm older, I'd rather have a nice six-inch detailed figure yeah. – to yeah. display and play with, but really to display. And I've and, heard the GI Joe fans that are saying no, they don't want that. They only they will only buy the three and three quarter inch figures. And I'm like, yeah, I heard that from Star Wars fans too. And guess what? These Black Series figures are selling. So <laughs> no, I would totally do it. And they, they obviously you have an entire line that you could do like they did the 25th anniversary that were all pretty true to the 80s, you know, classic costumes and stuff. Yeah. And if you did a whole six inch line, that could go for years. Yeah, and the thing for me right now, the reason why Transformers is higher than G.I. Joe is because other than the comics that are about to come out, there isn't anything out there for G.I. Joe. That's, there's been some of the new toys that come out, but I haven't seen many of them in my stores. Yeah. And where I've seen a ton of Transformers toys, and I've been reading the Transformers comics and stuff like that. So, And there's you know there's the Generations figures that I love, and I don't have the Masterpiece figures, but I keep seeing news about them. And it's like, so that's what's on the forefront of my mind right now. Whereas, like I said, if more Joe stuff starts coming out, then I'm going to be more excited about Joe than Transformers. Those two are very interchangeable for me. So, yeah. So. All right, so that was all of the listener feedback. I did have a, just a, yeah. I just kind of want to give a shout out to a guy that I've been emailing back and forth who's a listener of the show. His name is Brent Richards. Okay. So, um, he just got in touch with me through my blog and, uh, purchased one of my Joe art books. That I, I have like little, uh, convention sketchbooks that's full of, uh, just strictly GI Joe stuff. And it was great. To, I mean, I, I love it when I get emails from people and we get to talk about what their interests are, just kind of get in touch with them, get to know them. And oh, yeah. as after we exchanged a few emails, he goes, oh, I listen to Star Joe's all the time. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> Which I didn't know. And I thought that was awesome. Sure. So um, he's always he always likes the, you know, the just the sense of humor that all of us kind of bring yeah. to the property. And um, anyway, so it's just I want to give a shout out to him. He got a book. I sent it out to him. And uh, nice. so it's just cool to get to know some of the listeners uh, through my blog. So if you nice. if you do listen to the show and you get a hold of me through the blog. Let me know that right away before I'm like, well, if you didn't know, I also co-host a Star Joe's podcast, right? <laughs> which is kind of what happened with Brent because we were talking about it. And uh, he goes, oh, I listen to your show. I was like, oh, all right, then. OK, cool. cool. <laughs> That's <laughs> anyway, awesome. But yeah, yeah. So We did get two uh, recent iTunes reviews. So let me read those real quick here cool. uh, before we get into preview. So uh, we got one uh, from Halloween 4 and 5 Rock, uh, which I know is Jason Adams, by the way, because he loves Halloween. Uh, <laughs> But this was sent on uh, July 28th. So he says, Star Joe's will find uh, will fill that void that was created when your dad went out for cigarettes and never came back. <laughs> oh, dang. That's a lot he of says, pressure. Yeah, he says, it's an instant family. He yeah. says, Chuck will help you with your homework, Ryan will make you cinnamon toast for breakfast, and Robert will help you build a treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> so the entire time you listen to this show, you will be mentally transported back to the 80s. All your worries will be gone. I love this show. 
<laughs> so leave it to Jason to, to leave us that type of review. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they got one from, uh, it says by, uh, tweens or twines, T W E I N Z. And this was just sent on the 31st of July. And the title is Star Joes. Nothing but Star Joes. Give me those Star Joes. <laughs> and it was five stars. So was Jason's. Jason's was five stars as well. So from uh, Twines, he says, I've been on a major Star Joes kick for the past few weeks, and uh, and I'm to the point where I need new episodes. <laughs> says, I was looking for, for podcasts that, re- uh, that reviewed the classic G.I. Joe cartoon episodes and was referred to check out Star Joes. After thoroughly enjoying the reviews of the miniseries, uh, the character impressions cracked me up, <laughs> and the movies, as well as the Transformers anime movie, I began exploring all the other podcast off- offerings from Ryan, Chuck, and Robert. I'm looking forward to more episodes and keep up uh, and keeping up with the posts on Facebook and Twitter. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, very cool. So if you're listening to this, uh, you know, let me know on Facebook that that was you, because uh, I'll mention your actual name on on the episode if you'd like me to. Uh, so definitely want to give credit where credit's due. So, um, but yeah, we're getting new listeners all the time. People have con- contacted me on Twitter saying, Hey, I just started listening to you guys. And uh, that's yeah, we just need awesome. To do another animated episode soon. Oh, that's next on the agenda. I don't Wait. know if you already had it in mind, but I, the only reason I wanted to do previews this time was because we have, gotten to a point where we cover previews the month after. I know, it's got to be dang it, I know, that's one that we've got to be right on the ball as soon as the previews catalog comes out. Yeah. And we need to do that so that by the time it's uploaded they still have a few weeks, you know, to get yeah. their orders in, so. So I actually say the next time that you and I get together to record it'll be for an animated episode. Cool, that sounds good. Can review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to MWire only on GeekCastRadio.com. Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? 
Then tune into Telecast, GeekCastRadio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more. Only on GeekCastRadio.com. Is this thing on? Oh, goody. Why, hello there. It's your dear old Uncle Joker here. I bet you're asking yourself, what could I be possibly doing here of all places? Well, I'm laughing at the fact that this new podcast presented by Geekcast Radio is called Legends of the Dark Knight. Who the heck knew the bat was so popular? Join Steve, Mike, and sometimes Tara for reviews on the greatest DC animated universe cartoon to ever meet Gotham City. So join moi for the talk of the town, or I'll send Captain Clown after you. He gets mighty angry when he doesn't get to have his garbage skull. So put on a nice big smile and join us for the next GeekCast Radio Network podcast, Legends of the Dark Knight. All right, so let's get into some previews here. All right, um, and we'll just breeze through September's. Yeah, we're just going to talk real briefly about some stuff in September, um, just some of the highlights, and then we'll get into October, and then we'll get yeah. to San Diego. Um, so one of the big things was that I was very excited about in September's, because remember I said I wish Dark Horse would go out on a bang with Star Wars. Right. Well, they came out with... Uh, in September's previews, Star Wars Dark Times Gallery Edition hardcover. Yes! Which looks awesome. Uh, man, I wish... Okay, well, I'm going to have to totally get that. I didn't I didn't see that. Um, I've, that's been one of my favorite uh, Star Wars series I've been following, like, with any kind of regularity over yeah. the last few years. So, And I absolutely love the artwork in that. So that would be yeah. totally be worth, like, getting a nice hardcover. Yeah, it's Douglas Wheatley's art. Ah, oh, so good. And it's Dark Times issues one through five. So it's the whole first story arc. Oh, re- okay, wait, okay. Gallery edition, so what's yeah. that? So it's uh, it's not very, I mean, it's a, it's big, it's oversized, but it's not super huge. It's nine inches by 13.25 Okay, so if you think of like a 9 by 12 frame or you yeah. know, a 9 by 12, so it's just a little bit taller than that. It's yep. black and white, so it's just his penciled artwork. Right. That's pretty awesome. I like how, and they said it's, it's scans of his original art, so I'm, I'm sure it's just like the artist editions. I like how they poked fun at the artist editions, though. Well, in, it, their, well, in the yeah. description, it says, uh, high-quality scans of Douglas Wheatley's original art, plus a feature not seen in other artist editions, uh, the complete <laughs> scripts which Wheatley worked from. 
Oh yeah, cool. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm totally gonna get that. It's a hundred bucks. Yeah. But I think I would totally get that. It's probably it's not quite as a, uh, you know, I I don't want to buy an artist edition. I mean, and to, I don't know to to contradict that. I don't want to spend a hundred dollars on an oversized art book to read a script. Right. You know what I mean? Like I can see why that's interesting to see the changes he made and why. Yeah. But I would rather have that in the back of a trade paperback. And see, for me, because I am more of a writer type person, I like the idea that people see what the person wrote and how the artist interpreted it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's incredibly intriguing, but I think that that could be something they include anyway. Yeah. uh, In something like this, I would rather it be uh, concept sketches, any kind of other doodles, and, you know, a huge sketchbook in the back of it as opposed to. So, I mean, that's just kind of, we're coming at it differently. Yeah. But that's very um, cool. I didn't know that. I'll have to pick that up. Yeah, and uh, it was, uh, if you pre-ordered it through some online sites, it was a lot cheaper, too. So <laughs> Yeah, no, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's ways to yeah. get it cheaper than that. But So um, so I, I skipped, because, again, we're just briefly touching on uh, September's previews. I skipped over DC, although I have something to mention that's not related to the show from DC. Yeah, go ahead. Um, which was the Batman animated series Robin, Joker, Man Bat, and Poison Ivy action figures. Whoa. Um, last time Chuck and I did previews, <laughs> and they did Wave 1, and this is Wave 2. And oh, cool. these are six, roughly 6-inch six scale. They're all different sizes because they put them in proper scale with where they should be. Right. Um, like Robin is 5 and, and a quarter inches tall, and Joker is six and a quarter inch tall. So the Joker is actually a, a, a full inch taller than Robin, which yeah. makes sense. Um, I love, since I love that animated series, I love these figures. I am all over them. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first wave had, of course, Batman, and um, I'm trying to remember some of the other characters. I think it was Catwoman and Two Face. Mm-hmm. So. So very yeah. cool stuff. Out of DC, I've been really getting into the Batman Beyond universe. Yeah. And um, they, uh, so I've been reading like the Batman Beyond 2.0 books and the Justice League Beyond. And I I remember when they first came out, I was like, eh. And for whatever reason, just between then and now, I just really got sucked in. And I've been watching the the old cartoon. I've watched the movie that came out from there, from that series. I've watched the Justice League episodes that gone into the future and incorporated them. I've just been really kind of jumped into it and really intrigued by it. So those books are coming out, and I do like those. They're yeah. they're drawn really well, and the stories are great. So yeah, they, especially, they are. Especially Batman Beyond 2.0. I've been really yeah. happy with that series. Yeah, I've been getting the Batman Beyond universe, the actual physical copy, which has the 2.0 and the Justice League yeah, Beyond together. issues together. Yeah, um, and yeah, they've been really good. And like you said, the art's good, the story's good. Um, and I actually started doing a whole Batman Beyond rewatch, but then I stopped it because I was doing a Doctor Who rewatch to get ready for the new <laughs> the new Doctor episodes. Yeah. I'm almost done with that. So once the new Doctor Who starts and I'm done with the rewatch there, I yeah. will go back to the Batman Beyond rewatch and, and watch it all the way through. So I also saw the the Arkham the Batman Arkham Origins figures. Yeah. And I just want the Deathstroke. Like that's all I want from that series. Yeah. The other ones are a little too creepy. I, I do like <laughs> the Batman because that's on the Batman that version is on the Batman uh, or the what is it? Injustice Gods Among Us video games? Yes, yes. Me and the kids play that quite a bit, and I like, that's my favorite character on the game is that Batman version, so 
It's I like the Black Mask figure because there hasn't been really a whole lot of figures. Well, that's true. Yeah, it's it's pretty unique. But I think him and Joker look crazy creepy. Too creepy oh, for me. Oh, they do. Yeah, not too creepy for me. But. Uh. <laughs> um, then we get into, I jumped right to IDW, which has yeah. uh, G.I. Joe number one. Yeah, so I'm really excited about this. Okay, G.I. Joe number one, I, I, I actually got to do a cover for that. Um, it, it was actually just this last weekend. John asked me, are you going to be in New York Comic Con? And I said, no. And this was about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And then or earlier in the week, he asked me, I was like, no, I won't be able to. But if you had anything, let me know. And he goes, no, I just want to see who's there. I was like, all right. And then Friday, I had found out, oh, I am going. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I had a table and I let it expire. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then they came back and said, are you sure you don't want a table? <laughs> I was like, fine, I'll take a table. And um, so I took it. I let John. I was like, yeah, hey, actually, as it turns out, I will be there. He goes, oh, well, then do you want to do a cover for J.I. Joe number one, that's a New York Comic-Con exclusive. I was like, well, heck yeah. So <laughs> nice. He goes, this was on a Friday. He goes, great. Well, we need it Monday. I'm like, wop, wop. <laughs> okay. And I was out of town the whole weekend. Like, I was in St. Louis. Oh, wow. Every day. I, I was actually down there. This is becoming a longer story than I expected. But that's okay. Um, I, I went and got my United States, the, the U.S. Soccer um, Association's uh, official license to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, soccer for uh, under 12s. So okay. I can coach through the U.S. Soccer Association. You know, like uh, I can coach uh, youth clubs and youth teams and that kind of stuff for, like, say, an MLS club uh, right. or also just any other uh, local competitive teams or whatever. So anyway, um, the next one I would take would allow me to teach uh, or coach under 18s and then under 21s, and you work your way up. Anyway, so I was gone over this weekend, and I was we spent – and it was just in two days. In two days, we spent, uh, well, leading up to it, like 16 hours of prep work and, and assignments and things we had to write up. And then over those two days, we did literally 20 hours of drills and and playing soccer. And, like, they put us through the ringer, man. I was like, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't played this hard since I played in college. And I was like, holy crap. So they really beat you up. But And then I'd have to stay up at night, and I was doing this cover. <laughs> so I would go do that all day long, and I was in a hotel room drawing this cover and then next morning i had to wake up at like 6 a.m and get right back to soccer for like 10 hours and i was wow. just like and then that night drove home from st louis like two hour drive and then had to finish the cover and i'm just like oh kill me now and then you slept for two days exactly after that. <laughs> so but it was awesome it's a um it's just like a spotlight on scarlet like they just okay. wanted me to draw scarlet um and so I, it was interesting because we were under the wire. So I was like, oh, to come up with a whole new layout. And I was like, what's the book about? And he goes, it doesn't matter. Just do a cool Scarlet cover. Well, I had drawn a layout for a Scarlet cover back, way back in the first volume of G.I. Joe issue number, I think, 11. Okay. And they passed on that and we did the other option. I sent in two or three options. Okay. And I was like, man, I remember I did this layout for Scarlet years ago that I liked and we never got to use. So I just grabbed that. Okay. And use that for my underdrawing and and drew that and then uh, so that'll be a New York Comic Con exclusive for issue number one and then after nice. they got it all put together then IDW sends out a PDF to everybody who's worked on the issue to to get everybody's feedback if there are any corrections that need made. Okay. So no matter if if you're the letterer or the colorist or whoever if you had any part to play the issue you get a PDF and they want everybody to proofread it. Which I think is really, I don't know that every co- company does yeah. that, but no. AEW does. It's really great. No, but I got to read through it, and uh, 
it's really good. I, I got to okay. say, I really like it. Uh, it's um, written by uh, Karen, Karen Travis, Travis. Yep. Uh, who is a really good writer. Like you were, we were talking before the show. She has written for Star Wars and yeah, uh, a number of yeah. other properties. Yeah, she's done uh, some work for Halo and Gears of War and yeah. Star uh, Star so, Wars's Republic Commando. Exactly. So she's got this kind of military speak yeah. and camaraderie down. She's really well, and she's got a background for it too. I think she was like a correspondent and like oh, and yeah, stuff in yeah, like she has a background for this military stuff too. Well, it so. definitely comes through. It feels very authentic. It's, I think, a much better approach than the recent, you know, Van Linty yeah. run. Um, and so Steve uh, Kurth is still on the art, but it's a different art style. It's. Um, he used to do hyper-detailed, hyper-realistic stuff for Marvel, and it's very time-consuming. Yeah. And just the logistics of what IDW pays versus Marvel pays, you can't expect him to put that same amount of time into each page. And right. ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Um, so you, you do the best you can in the time you have and the money you know, that you're being paid to do it. So, sure. um, so I think he skewed his art to try and be stylistic and more cartoony for that last run. And I yeah. think with the feedback everybody got, and you know, I could look at it. It wasn't my favorite stuff. Um, I think he pushed it a little too far. He let too much go. Yeah. And in this series, I think he's kind of pulled it back in a bit. It's it's. Uh, I think in general, it looks a lot more solid. It feels um, your know, facial expressions kind of aren't all over all over the place. Yeah. Seems a little more to fit what you would expect from a GI Joe book, a good GI Joe book. So I'm excited about this. I think. Yeah, I'm very excited. As soon as I heard, because um, I didn't mind Steve Kurth's art at all, um, I was fine with it. So I was like, the art wasn't the issue for me. Um, but when I heard Karen Travis was writing it, I was like, okay. And then I learned more about her once I found out that she was writing. I was like, well, let me look. I just know her from Star Wars Republic Commandos, which were some good books. Um, and then I found out, holy crap, like I said, she's got a background for this and everything else. I was like, okay, I'm very excited. And I know I mentioned to you, I'm going to see if I can get her to come on the show. Um, I think yeah, she'd be willing to. I don't see why not. And most people are when they can promote what they're working on. Yes. Yeah. My fear is, though, that she's, um, if she does a good job, is that we might jinx her into being off the book. Because we've had Fred Van Lente on, and he's not on G.I. <laughs> Joe anymore. We've had you on, and you're not on G.I. Joe anymore. <laughs> We've had Mike Costa on, and he isn't on G.I. Joe Well, anymore. don't say that out loud. What are you doing? <laughs> the only one we haven't jinxed is Shannon, and that's, and that's why we haven't had him on anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, we, we actually, I actually want to have Shannon on again very soon. So. <laughs> um, uh, well, anyway, so hopefully she didn't listen to that last part, and she'll come on the show. <laughs> um, so then I wanted uh, – so I am looking forward to that new number one yeah. Uh I think it'll be very exciting. I think some of the covers are a little weird, um, but I would get yeah. the subscription cover variant if you can, or the New York Comic Con variant. This also comes out with a blank sketch cover, which I'm going to yeah. try and get a ton of. I have, actually have a huge stack of G.I. Joe Transformers number one uh, nice. over here on blank. my shelf, but they're the blank ones, so I'm going right. to do a series of sketch covers, which would be a lot of fun. Have you read that yet? Oh, nope, I haven't bothered reading it. I have the <laughs> I have the copy sitting right here. I, I have... I have the issue also. I have not read it yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of which, uh, G.I. Joe Transformers number th- or Transformers G.I. Joe number three right. is in previews. The only reason I'm even mentioning it is because I think the variant, the subscription variant cover looks kind of cool <laughs> with Optimus Ooh, Prime. It does. Yeah, I do like that. And uh, all the Joes underneath them shooting and stuff. I think that looks cool. In fact, I ordered that cover and not the regular cover. <laughs> yeah, that's Jim Rugg. Now, I know every time we... 
and it's not like we're just completely bashing on it. It's just not our favorite approach, and I know that bothers Mike Myers, but right. I'm just like he loves Tom Seale. Yeah, he does, and I think he's really good at what he does. But I just personally, I'd yeah. say it, I don't think it's the best fit. But no. I'm but glad. I'm, I, again, I'm glad they're at least doing it. So and Chris Campbell loves it too. So I mean, oh, there's, there, I'm happy that they like it. I just don't. Well, and the <laughs> so. other thing too is, you know, if you do. It, they have a, a big line of Transformers books that are coming out. Yeah. And every artist is individual, but you, you got to say that IDW has really established a Transformers look. Okay. Yes. And they all look the same. Yeah. I, I know that's generalizing, but so you, if you want something to stand out, take a chance, take a risk. Sure. You know, so I commend them on that. And I think, sure. you know, there are some people who really like it and, yeah. That's great. Just as a personal taste, it's not my favorite. Yeah, and and like you said, if there's people that like it, that's fantastic. There's there's people that like a lot of different things that I don't like, and there's things that I like that other people don't like, and that's totally fine. You like what you like, and that's it. And uh, but at the same time, it's you know it's our show, and if we don't like it, we're gonna say it. <laughs> I just think it's a strange approach. Like I love Cioli stuff on anything that could be an homage to Kirby because sure. he obviously has that style. I would love to see him do. A dark side miniseries or new gods yeah. or something celestials or just that yes. great cosmic stuff. I, I would love it. I would absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, it. But just Transformers to me is so technical. And yeah. G.I. Joe is so, you know, it just has a look and a feel. And it's just, anyway. I mean, yeah. So uh, okay, I don't want to dwell too know, much on yeah, it because yeah. Mike's going to send in hate mail. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We love you, Mike. Um, <laughs> I did want to mention also for those that didn't get the hard covers, Transformers Phase One Omnibus is available in trade paperback, oh, man. Uh, which is the start of the whole IDW run. So yeah. it's you got infiltration, escalation, and devastation are all in one trade for thirty bucks, and the hard covers were fifty bucks. So, um, so if you wanted to start there, you could do that. I actually need I need to get one through four. I have five through eight of the okay. hard covers. I don't know how how I missed out on those first group, but anyway. And I think they're still available because they did do a reprint of them. Because yeah. there for a while, Volume One was like going Sold for out. like it was hard to ridiculous yeah. amount. It was going for like 150 bucks or something like that. But now you can find it again yeah. on Amazon for like 30 bucks. Okay, so I gotta, I gotta find those then. Uh, unless unless that's changed recently, but the last time I looked, they were still available at a decent price. So yeah. Um, and then uh, I wanted to jump to Turtles because there was the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Secret History of the Foot Clan Deluxe Work Print Edition, which is kind of like an artist edition, but not really. Um, um, yeah, this, see, this had, it looked like it had pages where the script is to the left and the black and white art is to the right. And I right. think I wouldn't uh, mind that as much, you know, like yeah. the way that that's laid out. That might be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, and I do love... Um, this guy's uh, artwork, uh, Mateus oh, yeah. or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, I love his artwork. So, um, so yeah, I thought that was a really neat thing. I don't remember if I pre-ordered that or not. I don't think I did because the Star Wars one came out, and I was like, I can't do both of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the same month and stuff. Um, so, but yeah, I did want to mention that uh, that issue, uh, that collection coming out. Right. Um, the only other, well, I got a couple other things. One other thing, I jumped all the way to the back. Uh, in the book section, I wanted to mention that there's Star Wars A New Dawn hardcover book. It's a regular book. Because the reason I wanted to mention it is because this is the first book in the new continuity that's being created. Oh, right. Yeah. So right. it's it, they threw away the, all the old continuity, which is fine. I don't like it, and I know you feel the same way, Robert. I don't like it when someone says, oh, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. I hate that they threw all that away. 
they threw it away in a sense, but it's still there. You could still read it yeah. and enjoy it. So, um, but this book is the very first one in the new continuity. So uh, that's why I wanted to mention that one. So, um, the other thing I want to mention is just kind of like a shout out to um, Kyle Higgins, who um, I know and is a really cool dude. He wrote Nightwing for a long time for DC, and yep. um, he's got his own book through Image called Cowl. Uh, oh, C-O-W-L. I love that. It's really good. Issue five is in this um, previews. Yeah. Um, so he he's sent along the issues to me, and it's uh, it's been just an awesome read. I love the setting. I love the yes. tone of the book. It's a lot of fun. The art is definitely like not mainstream. Yeah. Uh, you know, like typical Marvel DC works. art or anything like that. But it really fits. I mean, it's yeah. yeah I for I don't like a lot of the books that are so loosely drawn. Um, or so sketchy in their finishing, typically. Yeah. But this, I, I, the artwork complemented it so well. Yeah. I didn't even care or notice. You know, it was all just you know spot on. So. Yeah. No. I I picked up issue number one, and here's the funny thing. I actually picked up issue number one because I was listening to Comic Geek speak, and I was on the fence of getting issue one, and they were decided they were going to do it as one of their author racks picks, and I was like, all right, well, since they're going to cover it, I'll pick up issue number one. And I love it, and I've gotten all the issues. I've gotten, I think it's like two or three issues of, I think three issues have come out so far, and I really like it. Another story that I really liked, and it's kind of related to the show, is uh, Winter World by Chuck Dixon. Oh, yeah. And issue number four is in uh, the September previews. I actually picked up the trade of yeah. the old 80s run that he did. Oh, okay, of Winter yeah. World, and I read that I think in two days. <laughs> oh wow, I don't know anything about this. And basically, what it is it's so you don't know what happened, but this whole world is in uh, it's Earth, but the whole Earth is now frozen over. Okay. And the main character's name is Scully, and imagine, and when you read this, you'll understand why Chuck Dixon was chosen to write GI Joe, right. because Scully is kind of like take Snow Job, but make him kind of older and more hardened because of the environment right. Right. right and he has to deal with crazy situations like you totally read this and you're like I feel like I'm reading snow job oh man that sounds great <laughs> that sounds awesome yeah. it's very intense it's there's some like there's cannibals in it and there's like oh. some really bad stuff that happens yeah but it's really really enjoyable um I couldn't stop reading it man, uh, because you cool you start caring about the character. So IDW actually put a trade together of the original 80s run, so I read those, and then I read issue one already of the new ongoing series. I will say that if you didn't read the original, you might be a little lost, but you'll catch up to speed pretty quickly in that first issue. Right. So, Sorry about that. I was, I'm getting a text from people, and that's my text no. alert. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you passed gas, so I was all right. No, that was like a Transformers noise. It's like... <laughs> That how it sounded I, on I, I, I fart Transformers noises. It's a little known fact about Robert Eggins. <laughs> um, the last thing I wanted to mention from previews was, just because I thought it was funny, was the Topps 2014 Star Wars Wacky Packages trading cards. <laughs> Do you remember the Wacky Packages? No, not those. These were uh, cards that were stickers, and they were different packages. Like, they have Leia's Sticky Buns. <laughs> uh, dark, uh, diet mall cola. Oh, uh, so it's basically funny products that are have a little Star Wars twist on them, and they're just stickers uh, on these cards. Um, but it just it 
it cracked me up. There's like Yoda floss. <laughs> stuff like that. I don't know. It just it reminded me of something. I, I'm pretty sure those wacky packs came out in the '80s, um, but this one was a Star Wars related one. So, yeah. so. Um, uh, but one the last thing yeah. for me is I know we promote uh, Skyward a lot on the show. We both yes. are fans of the book, uh, and then the trade for Volume Four is out. Nice. So it's only ten bucks. Well worth for, it uh, for a trade paperback of a really good original kind of fantasy based story. So. We, we yeah. support Jeremy and all, and all he does. It's a good book. Absolutely. And the only thing I was a little disappointed recently was uh, it seems like maybe he got a little bit behind on on the book because I had him like pre-ordered issues 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 or something like that, and they all got canceled. They're going to be resolicited later yeah. uh, because I think he got a little bit behind, which is understandable. He goes to a lot of conventions. He's and, doing it all himself, and when you, yeah. you have to market it, you can't not go to these conventions. You have to be at every convention you yeah. can. Because it's the best way to get word of mouth and people to sample the book. Um, yeah. and, and I totally like get you can either do either or. You know what I mean? Like you can either sit at home and draw and slave at the table and be on time, or you can do as much as you can at home, do all the promotion yourself, yeah. and the book does well, sells pretty well, but you'll get behind. That's all there's yeah. to it. And the, and I totally get why it happens, and it's a book I love, so I will look for it every single month. And yeah. once it's available for solicitation again, I will order it again because I have to read Skyward. It's just I yeah, love it that I, much. I almost, I mean, I not he can do whatever he wants, but I, I think in these situations, I think it's best to kind of use that Hellboy Atomic Robo type format where you can just put out six issues. Yep. And it can be a story that is relatively self-contained. Yep. And then just as it comes out, it comes out. And when people when it's solicited, people are surprised and said, "Hey, look at this!" Yep. And then they pick it up, you know. And you can have them interconnect with each other. Yeah, they a, don't have to be a larger story. Yeah. yeah. So, but just just solicited as a trade instead of a monthly, I think it's yep. uh, more realistic when you're doing it all. He's yep. literally doing it all himself. So yeah. Um. So moving on to October here. Um. So one thing that was uh, Dark Horse did since they don't have Star Wars anymore is they decided to start focusing on their aliens, predators, and aliens, predators again. Um, so I wanted to mention that just because, even though the first alien movie, I think, was in the 70s. Yeah. Alien. 70. Yeah. yeah. Aliens was in the, yeah. And Aliens was in the 80s, for sure. Yeah, early. Um, it was like 82, 83, somewhere in there. Yeah. And Predator was in the 80s, so. Yeah. There you go. So. So they do have uh, three miniseries, and I think the one for Aliens was in uh, September, the start of that one. It was called Fire and Aliens, Fire and Sto- uh, Stone. And then they're doing a Predator, Fire and Stone, uh, number one, that's in October's previews. And then there's Alien versus Predator, Fire and Stone. Uh, and I think they're also doing a Prometheus, Fire and Stone. So I assume that they're all going to tie into each other. Yeah, you expect um, with the same kind of arc title or whatever, yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to mention it because, I mean, we won't mention it every previous episode, but I wanted yeah. to mention it because those were movies that came out in the 80s, and I loved them. I actually so. went back, and, and I've recently watched all the Aliens movies and all the special features and all the commentaries. Nice. Uh, I think it was last month or the month before, maybe at the at the earliest, but... I really, I mean, it was, it's awesome. It's, I got back oh, into yeah. it, and not every movie is obviously as good as others, but, um, yeah, I, I think I might pick these books up because they kind of got me back into both of those properties. I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. 
Um, and then in DC, we have He-Man Master Universe number 18, which is the finale to the Blood of Grayskull story that Chuck and I have been loving. Uh, I'm so behind on all of the Everything He-Man comic-related, I'm way behind on. And this is the uh, issues that the art's been done by Pop Mon, yeah. which is fantastic yeah, art. Yeah, a good job. And the cover for this issue is done by, is it Stepan Sedgik? Yeah. Uh, he did the redesign or the, the new look for She-Ra, which you may have seen online and everything. It looks absolutely amazing. Um, and to each side of her uh, is uh, He-Man's on one side of her on Battle Cat and Skeletor's on the other side of her on uh, Panthor. Yeah. And it just looks awesome. So. So I definitely wanted to mention that because that's the finale of that story, and that story has been great. Um, this was actually announced at San Diego Comic-Con. IDW is doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters miniseries. <laughs> so what it is, is it, uh, the preview says, uh, when a new invention goes haywire, the turtles are sent to a whole new type of New York City, one with a whole lot more ghosts and Ghostbusters. The two teams will have to learn to get along quickly because a new foe from the Turtles' past has followed them and aims to conquer New York City. And I love the idea of the crossover just because they're both New York. Yes. And, and that's what that's the tie that kind of pulls them together, so that's cool. Yeah. And here's the cool thing. So um, they are using uh, Dan Schoening as the artist, and he also does the cover art for the main uh, cover. Yeah. Um, he was the artist on the Ghostbusters series, so it's his art style, and okay. it just it just looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, definitely two properties that I am happy to see come together. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we also have uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number thirty nine comes out. The animated number sixteen comes out, and then something I wanted to me- uh, well, actually, also I wanted to mention volume nine of the collected trades for the current IDW run is out, uh, or will is solicited in here. Yeah. And it's called Monsters, Misfits, and Mad Men. Uh, it doesn't say which issues it covers, from what I can see, mm. but it's just, oh, issues numbers 33 through 36. Okay, so that's so, pretty close on the heels of the book, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they also have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Legends, Souls Winter by Michael Zuli. I have never read this. Yeah. Um, but it's a hardcover, oversized hardcover that's coming out. It's 7 inches by 11 inches, uh, 104 pages. And the description is it collects uh, seminal stories from the series run into special edition hardcovers. This volume represents Michael Zuli's dark psychological trilogy of Soul's Winter, uh, which is colored for the first time. And it also includes A Splinter in the Eye of God, OD'd and failed instant. So these are from the old original Turtles right. stuff. So I have never read these stories. I'm very curious uh, about them. I like the idea that they're collected in a hardcover. So yeah. I'm I'm definitely going to check those out or check that out. Um, then we have GI Joe number two, which we were just talking about before, uh, and then a Real American Hero number two, seven, uh, and then. Uh, Big thing here is uh, G.I. Joe, the Complete Collection Hardcover Volume 6 is solicited. And this collects the Marvel run issues number 54 through 61, mm-hmm. and special missions numbers uh, 3 through 5, and yearbook number 3. Okay. 
So they're they're moving along with uh, yeah, collecting that whole run. Out, yeah. Yeah. Um. Then we have uh, <laughs> Transformers versus GI Joe number four. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, I like the subscription variant cover. I don't like the regular cover. The subscription variant cover has Soundwave standing up, and he's got snake eyes running up his shoulder, and Alpine has all these ropes tied around his arm, uh-huh. and he's standing on his fist, and Soundwave is stomping on down on a uh, an APC. Sweet. So, and Roadblock's like standing on his leg, shooting at his leg. Who sh- who drew that one? Um, that was drawn by Riley Rosmo. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, not familiar with the name there. So, uh, and then for also for Transformers, the Windblade miniseries is collected in trade. So if you passed on that, it, we're picking up. I liked it. The art's kind of unique. It's a bit cartoony, but it's it's a good story, and I like the art even though it was cartoony. So, um, and then this is <laughs> feel free to pick on me for mentioning this one because Chuck certainly was going to. Um, <laughs> The Last Unicorn in Trade Paperback. Yes? I watched this cartoon when I was a kid many times. The la- uh, Wait, The Last Unicorn? Last Unicorn. It was done in the style of the Hobbit cartoon. Okay. And it came out in the 80s, and it's about a unicorn that's the last one. That makes sense, right? <laughs> it's getting chased down by uh, this fiery bull, and it's the bull's trying to chase it into the ocean to die with the other unicorns. And to prevent this from happening, there's this magician that doesn't know what he's doing, and he's being begged by this woman that he knows to save the unicorn by, with his magic. Well, he has the magic do whatever it wants to do in order to save her, and it turns the unicorn into a woman. And okay. there's some very creepy scenes. Like I said, if you liked the Hobbit cartoon as a kid, that original Hobbit cartoon, then yeah. you would you would like the last unicorn because it's well, the same. Well, I'm, I'm looking at pictures of it now, so yeah, it's definitely yeah. the same like faces. You can tell the style is the exact same. It's done by the the exact same creators. I can't yeah. remember if it was Rankin Bass or somebody like that that did it. Um, so it was originally a book, of course, and then they did a hardcover trade of this miniseries that redid it, and I guess the artwork was really amazing. Well, now they've done the uh, trade paperback finally of it, so. Uh. So like I said, it was an animated movie in the 80s. That's why I mentioned it. Um, and I remember watching it quite a bit. So well, um, I won't make fun of you for it. <laughs> um, I did I'm not going to lie. If you look up The Last Unicorn on Google, it's going to look so girly. It is. It does look girly. Uh-huh, but but I'll, I'll take your word for it. I think the animation the, style looks like it would yeah, be Yeah, I was cool. going to say, the animated movie was actually... There were some creepy scenes in it. <laughs> so there's this skeleton guy that, like they have to talk to and the skeleton talks to them and it's it's one of the creepier scenes so <laughs> but i liked it it was like a good kind of creepy yeah so um sonic and mega man worlds collide volume 1 trade paperback so this was a, a cool crossover story right. that that archie comics did and this is the first uh trade collecting that story that's so. cool yeah i might be i might pick up the trades on those it's yeah. not it's not a book i would normally pick up um, but yeah, that seems like it might be kind of fun. Yeah, I thought it was a good trade to, to, to collect. I have the issues, so I won't be getting the trade, but uh, it was a good story. I liked it. Cool. Um, Fraggle Rock 
something from the 80s. Journey, uh, this is in Boom Studios. Fraggle Rock Journey to the Everspring, number 104. So it's a miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were a fan of Fraggle Rock, and like yeah. I said, that did come out in the 80s. Uh, I loved what Boom Studios did before with Fraggle Rock. So I think it's when it was still under Arkea. Yeah. Uh, but now Arkea, or Boom Studios owns Arkea, so so they have that. Um, they're also they're doing a lot of Muppet stuff because they're also doing um, the musical Monsters of Turkey Hollow, which is a supposedly another Jim Henson story that was uncovered recently, and <laughs> they put it into a um, they had to put an artist to it and, and everything. Yeah. Um, but they also have the Storyteller, which I don't know if you remember Jim Henson's Storyteller. It was something that came out in the eighties. Yeah, I do. Um, so they're doing, it was in, the first issue was in September's previews. It's Jim Henson's The Storyteller Witches, number one of four. And this, in October's previews, it's number two of four. Hmm. So I'm going to be checking that out because I was a big fan of The Storytellers. Oh, wait, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. I saw yeah. that in the September previews. Yeah. Um, big Trouble in Little China, number five from Boom <laughs> Studios. Uh, I read number issue number two and loved it. So cool. uh, it's carrying on the tradition of Jack Burton. Um, <laughs> and then remember Doodle Jump always seems to have those variant covers that's an homage to 80s video games. Yeah. Uh, they did it again with Doodle Jump number four. It's an homage to Ghouls and Ghosts. <laughs> nice. So you have Doodle Jump busting out of his armor, like falling out of his armor, and he's in his underwear. <laughs> so. Very cool. Yep. Um, then we have from Viz Media, uh, Voltron from Days of Long Ago, a 30th anniversary yes. celebration. I saw this. I saw it yeah. on uh, Big Bad Toy Store, like to pre-order. Yeah, that's the only reason I knew about this. I was really thinking about getting it. Yeah, I am definitely getting this. It's uh, in 1984. Voltron, Defender of the Universe, hit the TV airwaves, and the world of giant robots has never been the same. Here, collected for the first time ever, is a rare look at the history of the show and the pop culture phenomenon that followed, plus an in-depth look at the lore and legend of Voltron Defender of the Universe. Um, it says it includes the never-before-seen conclusion to Voltron Force. So, I think that yeah. is definitely worth picking up. I didn't realize it was the 30th anniversary of Voltron, but I guess everything that we cover on the show is having a 30th anniversary yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, if it has it, it will pretty quickly. Yeah. In the next couple there will be a lot next year, because... Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that came out in 85. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in that. Um, we had a lot in the book section. There was a lot of Star Wars books that, that are out or coming out. Um, Great. So surprisingly, well, no, but these are not reading books. These oh, are, okay, okay. Uh, and I'm actually not interested in too many of them, <laughs> um, but they have... Are they like Star- reference book type stuff? Yeah, they have uh, Star Wars, The Adventures of Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight hardcover, and this is the story of Star Wars, but told through Ralph McQuarrie art. Oh, interesting. So they basically use his art to tell this, the story. Right. Um, then there's uh, Star Wars uh, art poster hardcover, so it's the po- various posters of Star Wars over the years. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a hardcover edition for $40, and then there's a limited edition hardcover for $400. What? So I know which one Robert's getting. <laughs> I don't know. I don't mind a, a pricey art book if it's great, but what's the, what's it's making post- it ten times as much? Yeah, this is posters. <laughs> 
Um, then there's Star Wars costumes, the original trilogy. So it's a hardcover collection of all the costumes that were in the movies, including Leia's outfit as Jabba's slave. They, they mention that in here, so. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, don't miss out. No. Um, they also so have. Wait, what was that poster book called? What was that called? It's called just Star Wars post, uh, Star Wars art, colon posters. All right. So. I'm looking it up. And then there's the if you passed up on it or missed out, there is the William Shakespeare Star Wars trilogy, the Royal Box set. So you can get all three. Uh, William Shakespeare Star Wars books in a nice box set, and it, that's only forty, about forty five dollars. So they're worth it. <laughs> okay, now so this Star Wars poster book, I'm I'm intrigued by it. Uh, it says, so Star Wars has enjoyed enjoyed nearly four decades of poster art from some of the most renowned artists. Okay, the fifth, this is the fifth book in the George Lucas curated Star Wars art series. Yes. So I didn't know that this is part of a series of art books. Yeah, I have two of them. Uh, there's like Visions, and then there's another one. Uh, I can't, it's on my bookshelf, but it's blocked right now, so I can't see what, right. read, what the cover is. <laughs> but yeah, they've done one where I think it was called Visions, where it was like they had artists, like other artists that are out in the world, draw something when they think of the words, when they think of oh, Star okay. Wars. Yeah. And then there was one where it was, I think it was called Concepts or something like that, and it was all the concept art from Star That's Wars. That's cool. I like so, yeah, so, those are the two I know. Yeah, this one has all the promo posters for the six films, the Star Wars Clone Wars animated series, and right. then a few other limited edition prints. So this, the $400 book is that much because it has five hand-signed uh, yeah. you know, G-Sleep prints, which are like super high-quality stuff you'd frame. Yeah. So that's why, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm not getting the $400 book, No, though. that's okay. <laughs> I'm like, what's the dimensions of the of the book? That's as big as the prints could be. Yeah, it's ten by twelve. So, so. I I don't want five tiny right <laughs> prints that aren't the size of a poster. <laughs> right. Um, this um, will probably be a, the forty dollar book. Will probably be something I ask for for Christmas to yeah. put with the other books that I got. Um, and I might even be interested in the costume book. It's not going to be something I want to put my money my own money towards. But if someone wants a gift idea, uh, like, <laughs> wink, not wink. our listeners. Not our listeners. <laughs> I thought I mean, you were throwing that out there. I'm like, dang. No, no. I mean, like I get my family and my <laughs> that ask for Christmas ideas or birthday ideas. Right. And, so that might be something I would give to them as an idea. No. But, I mean, yeah, if our listeners want to send me something, <laughs> that fine, too. Oh, uh, man. Just reach out to me. I'll give you my address, and yeah. we'll be all good. Uh, <laughs> they also have uh, Push Start, the Art of Video Games hardcover. And the cover of it actually has Donkey Kong, the original like Donkey Kong, yeah. where he's rolling the barrels. So I thought that was kind of neat, especially for people that grew up uh, with the 8-bit graphics and stuff like that so um robert you'll find this very interesting especially with what we were talking about earlier uh robotech transformable 100th scale action figures wow what they are 37 dollars a piece (laughs) so they're expensive but it says step into your veritech and get ready for the coming 30th anniversary of robotech in 2015 so that's a decent size that's probably about an eight inch figure yeah I think because they do, I have a lot of Gundam uh, models too that are like basically uh, articulated, you know, kind of action figures, but they're a little more fragile than that. Yeah. But, but they have a hundred scale, then they have like, you know, different. Size. 
at 144th scale, which is like just under six inches. And so the yeah. the hundred scale are about eight to nine inches tall, depending. This on said, well, this does say it's roughly six inches tall yeah. uh, okay. and it's fully fully articulated. Um, each yeah, can be trans. Oh, I guess they're transformable. I was gonna say Reveltech yeah. put out ones a few years ago, and I have a few of those. But yeah, this says it's transformable. It says each can be transformed into a fighter, a battleoid, or a gerwalk mode. Sweet. Uh, also includes it uh, included is a gun pod accessory and an adjustable display stand. So the, you can do the display stand, so you could show them like flying and stuff like that. Yeah. So so yeah, they look really cool. Like I said, they are thirteen dollars. Uh, which mm. is kind of expensive, but I mean, it's not often you're going to get a Robotech figure. So, well, like those figures too, they're so so nice. It's almost like buy that or get a statue. You know what I mean? You yeah. Can, they're so articulated and, and detailed. And what I would probably do is I have, like I said, a couple of the Revoltech figures, which I think came in a two pack and was maybe forty bucks total. Yeah. And are probably about the same size. I might get one of these and then put it in like the half mode, the battle mode. Yeah. Um, and just for interest of, of time, uh, I'm just going to mention a couple other things real quick, and then we can talk some San Diego talk. Sure. Um, so there's, uh, for the gamers out there, there's the Star Wars dice bags, and they're $8 a piece, and they're these black bags you put your dice in. Uh, there's one with the bounty hunter symbol on it, uh, one with the rebel symbol, one with the uh, Imperial Empire symbol, and one with a Stormtrooper helmet on it. Cool. So... Um, and then there is in the DVD section Transformers Beast Machines, the complete series. So if you like Beast Wars and you wanted to follow up with Beast Machines, uh, that's in there for you as well. And last uh, but not least, um, this has nothing to do with the show, but it cracked me up, so I had to mention it. Uh, oh, and you're going to crack up too once I find my page that had it on it. Uh, which is proving to be more difficult than it's worth. Uh, let's see here. It was a. Um, I can find. It. Oh, here we go. Saturday Night Live: The Ambiguously Gay Duo Monitor Mate. Oh gosh. And it's. Uh, oh man. Yeah, it's Ace and Gary, <laughs> and it, they, it's like a. It's on. They're on a spring, and. Uh, I don't remember which one's Ace and which one's Gary, but basically one is riding the other one on his back, right. like you would see on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to put that on your desk at work, you can <laughs> do that, and then you will probably be called into HR. Yeah, probably. I would assume. <laughs> so I thought there's probably fans out there of that Saturday Night Live skit, so I figured it was worth mentioning. So, um, So some San Diego talk. Yeah, there, I didn't. I wasn't up on all the news as much as I normally am this year. Yeah. So, what do you got? We'll go over what you got, and I'll just react to it. All right. So we have uh, Dark Horse announced that they're going to do an Art of He-Man Masters of the Universe book. What? Yeah. So all the art packaging, like the art that was used for packaging and yeah. stuff like that, they're collecting it all in a book. Snap! I'm buying that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dang, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I was like ecstatic when I saw it because we've been asking for that. We're getting a Transformers one. That I know we art. were talking about them. Yeah. So now we're gonna get the art of He Man in the Masters of the Universe. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I hope they've excited. got like a big double page spread of that awesome Toys R Us poster that came out like back in '82 or '3. 
yes. that had like it was like fully painted, had the good side all on the left, and had you know like Skeletor and the Masters all on the right, and all the different you know all the toys that came out. Oh yeah, I hope they have that. That'd be awesome. Oh, it's it's going to be amazing. So um, they have shown some images and everything else, and it just looks incredible. So um, then Star Wars Black Series, they announced some more figures that are coming out. Oh yeah, is, who they announced? Uh, Bosk. Yes. Uh, who I am ecstatic about, and they actually show that his mouth opens, like you can oh, cool. open, open and close his mouth. Uh, a shadow stormtrooper and a shadow biker scout. Cool. So, which I was a big fan of those. Uh, the Tie Fighter pilot. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Uh, clone trooper uh, with like green on his arms and stuff. Uh, that's the one I worked on. Okay. Um, and then Han Solo stormtrooper. Uh, was announced. And then the two big reveals, which I almost, my head almost exploded when I heard this. Uh, Hoth Han with a Tauntaun. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Hoth Luke with a Wampa. Yes. Oh, cannot wait for those. I was, like, losing my mind. And the (laughs) the only thing I said was, I was like, I hope they do a Hoth Luke with a Tauntaun later on, because the Hoth Luke that comes with the Wampa, his face is all, like, scarred up and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to see it all clean, yeah. So I'd like to see a clean one that comes with a Tauntaun, and that might be, you know, that could probably end up being a San Diego exclusive or something like that. Well, and they might even toss in an extra head. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. They might, I don't know. Chuck talked about that. Uh, But I still want a Tauntaun. What's the, yeah, what's the wave? (laughs) Um, I don't know, they didn't really, I didn't read anything as far as which wave it was. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but they just had them on display, and they looked amazing. Uh, the the Tauntaun stomach does open up from what it looked like. Um, so you can actually slice them open and oh, stick Luke in. Boy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's way cool, man. At least it looked like it did. There was like a crease there that you could visibly see. Someone took yeah. a picture of it. So um, The thing I was also excited about is with them doing the TIE Fighter pilot is we'll probably get an Adat Walker pilot. Yeah, somewhere probably. down the line, yeah. because it's just a repaint for the most part. So, so we had that. Um, let's see some other comments. There was the yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. I wonder if see, I did a whole series of these illustrations, and I didn't. I ne- they never told me what wave it was for, if yeah. it was for the six inch or for the smaller ones. Um, yeah, there was a bunch of smaller ones revealed too. I don't have those ready. Um. Nothing that really stood out except for they did they do have Princess Leia uh, ceremonial uh, dressing from A New Hope the, right. the ceremony where she gives the medals out so there's a figure of her with one of the medals so yeah so. there it looks like there is a smaller uh, uh, reuse uh, with the three eyeballs you know yeah yeah um, and I'm a- I have done the artwork for that one because I did I did a headshot for him and I don't I would expect okay. that's probably what that one's on. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, they also showed uh, they showed a bunch of transformers, but the ones especially that stood out to me were Superion and Menasaur, uh-huh. which is the aerial bots and the Stunticons. Oh yeah. So, so they're coming out with those, and the Superion and Menasaur themselves look amazing. So and cool. Um, so then some comic news. Uh, one was that our friend Labs got the rights to do Puppet Master comics, which is horror. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, Puppet Master was in the 80s, so I wanted yeah. to make sure. I, and act, our buddies are at, at Action Labs, so I might 
check that out just because I did like the movie. So, so I f- figured you would, man. That yeah. stuff just made me pee myself when I was a kid. <laughs> just walking through the video store, like not even. Well, I will say, like the it. Puppet Master stuff is is creepier to me because they're toys that came oh. to life. Oh, that was such a weird phobia <laughs> of mine. You know, dolls, like little dolls. Anytime. It still it still bugs me out. Like when I go into my daughter's room and she's got like a doll sitting up, and I walk in, I just like swear it's looking at me. It freaks the crap out of me. I hate it. <laughs> Boom uh, Studios is doing Escape from New York comic book. Oh, very cool. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, so another uh, uh, what's his name? Kurt Stan, Russell. Stan Kliskin, Yeah, <laughs> I know, man. He's 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 really working the lineup. Um, did you see that IDW is coming out with Transformers Angry Birds? A comic book. <laughs> no. <laughs> so there is going to be an app. I don't know if you heard about that. There's going to be no, a Transformers. that's interesting. Yeah, there's going to be a Transformers Angry Birds app uh, game that you can play. Yeah. And I don't think it's out yet, but it'll be out soon. And IEW is going to do a comic book series on it. So, And I will be picking it up, and I will be covering it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's Transformers. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember who the publisher is on this. It might be IDW also, but I'm not 100% sure. But somebody's doing a Garbage Pail Kids comic book. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So probably one of those properties that was best left in the 80s. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I oh, loved Garbage Pail Kids. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved them. I collected yeah. all the stickers. When I was they, a kid, but it's just like... The movie was stuff, horrible. This stuff doesn't really hold up Yeah. Did you ever see the movie? Um, the live action movie? No, I don't think I did. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. The only thing I liked about the movie was I uh, they lived in an antique shop, and in the front window was this plastic monkey bank, gorilla bank, and I actually have that gorilla bank. I still have it. <laughs> so that was the only thing in the movie I even liked. <laughs> Which is, I was like, I have that Gorilla Bank. <laughs> um, so, last but certainly not least, and I think it's something definitely worth us talking about that's related to the show, and I saved this on purpose, I didn't mention it when we were going through previews, is Marvel is starting their Star Wars line. Yes, no, I did hear a little bit about this. So, so uh, first off, in previews for October, you can get the Star Wars, the original Marvel Years Omnibus, and this is a collection of issues numbers 1 through 44 and annual number 1. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it's a big book. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those big hefty kill somebody with it omnibus. Right. <laughs> the main cover is done for this is done by Howard Chaikin and Greg Hildebrandt together. Mm-hmm. And then there's a direct market version that is just uh, done by Hildebrandt. So right. I am looking to get this. Uh, because I've always I like the Dark Horse editions, the Omnibus editions, but they're smaller than yeah, their normal yeah. size. No, I never understood why they did that. Yeah, I didn't either. But um, but this is full size. It's a hardcover. Yes, it's a lot of issues in one hardcover, but I think it's cool. <laughs> so that's coming out. And actually, before we get into the big news of Marvel Star Wars. I forgot to mention also oh. um, something you might have a comment about is the G.I. Joe 12-inch size action figures. I 
<laughs> yeah, I saw those. That on that just looked ridiculous to me. I'm like, who would buy that? That makes no sense to me. Well, what they're doing is they're they're trying to play off of the market that bought the uh, Star Wars 12 inch ones. Yeah, I don't know. The, neither Which... one of those made sense to me. Though. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um. Yeah. So they're. I, I'm not gonna get any of them because I think they're like seventy, eighty bucks, something like that. So, um, know, yeah, they're really expensive too. Yeah, not a big fan. So let's talk about the fun Star Wars that's coming out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which is real quick as an aside, when we were quick talking about it just a moment ago, I did find that the small uh, black series, the small yeah. three and three quarter inch um, wave five, I did the headshots on those, which was Vader. Okay. The uh, um, Java skiff guard Sergeant Duallen. He has like a weird like black helmet with tubes coming out the sides of it into his mouth. Right. And then the the reuse and the wedge. Okay. Are the ones I did. So they must have I must have been working on that wave. And then they put me on the um, the Jabba and the Scout. Nice. And a, a bunch of I did a bunch of different troopers like variations of clone troopers and, gotcha. and others. So anyway, that'll probably be in the bigger sizes for those. Okay. Anyway, okay, so back to the uh, the Marvel so Star Wars. The big Marvel Star Wars news. I don't know. I don't think there's been a, a release date other than them to say it. These will be coming out in early 2015. Yeah. Um, it is uh, actually the first one is slated for January 2015. So, right. uh, and then it looks like I'm reading. I'm getting some updated information here. So they're going to be doing one title that's just called Star Wars, which is going to be written by Jason Aaron, man, yeah. and drawn by John Cassidy. Which means it's going to be late. <laughs> yeah, dang. He had me at Jason Aaron, but John Cassidy, like, that's yeah. not coming out. And that It'll change artists after three issues, so that's not going yeah. to sell. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, I love John Cassidy art. I think it's fantastic. In fact, they showed some of the preview pages, and it looks incredible. Like, Han Solo looks like Harrison Ford. Yeah. But, yeah, John Cassidy has been proven... He's proven it himself that he does not... He cannot do an ongoing story. Yeah. Um, which is a shame, but I am very excited about Jason Aaron writing Star Wars. <laughs> so, um, yeah, which I, I mean, I think he'll probably be on the book for a while, and I think that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, well, I'll tell you right now, if I was writing the book, you would never be able to get me off of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I will write a short story for free. Put it in the back. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that one's coming out in January, and that's just going to be called Star Wars. Cool. Uh, and that obviously features the original cast of Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo. Um, it's as part of the Rebel Alliance. They will try and capitalize on their victory at the Battle of Yavin. But, of course, Darth Vader won't let that happen. Um, so that's all they've really given about that so far. Cool. Uh, then there's going to be Star Wars Darth Vader, which comes out in February of 2015. And this will be written by Kieran uh, Gillen with art by Salvador La Roca. Damn. Which I am very excited, especially about the artist. Uh, Kieran Gillen is kind of hit or miss for me. There's some stuff he does that I really yeah. like, some stuff not so much. Um, but Salvador LaRocca art is going to be awesome. Well, and his, for me, um, he has kind of a wide range of stylistic approaches to stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I'd be interested to see what they do. I like him better when he's inked. I like yeah. it better when it's not just like a straight kind of deadline yeah. type of art where there's more rendering involved, but he is he's a solid artist that I've liked yeah. a long time. So. Now, have you seen the cover that was done by Adi Granov? It's the cover for with Darth Vader standing with the lightsaber 
sideways. No, what's the name of the book? Uh, it's called Star Wars Darth Vader. Let me check it out. It's saw the Terry Dotson cover. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, so the Star Wars Darth Vader one is uh, with the Empire suffering a crushing defeat at the re- at, that resulted in the loss of the Death Star, Vader has a lot to make up for. He needs to restore his reputation as the most feared man in the galaxy, as well as prove to the Emperor that he's still got what it takes. Um, this The title is billed as the story of the epic battle for the galaxy, only this time from the dark side, told from the dark side. So I think that's a cool story concept that Vader lost at the Battle of Yavin, so now he's going to build up hey. his reputation again. Now so. that's an awesome looking cover. Yeah. It's just like classic Star Wars piece. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And then the last one is a miniseries. It's called Star Wars Princess Leia, and it's going to be written by Mark Wave. Uh, Mark Wade, which I almost lost my shit when I saw Mark Wade was going to write a Star Wars book, <laughs> yeah. and it's going to be drawn by Terry Dodson. That look, that's going to be fantastic! I cannot yes. wait to read that. Yeah, and the cover, like you said, with Princess Leia standing there, looks amazing. Yeah. Um, so this will release in March of 2015, and he says while the other two newly announced comics are an ongoing series, Leia will receive a five-part miniseries. Uh, the story involved Leia stepping up as the leader of the rebellion while also dealing with the loss of her home world. So, um, so basically, it sounds like from what I'm understanding is that Marvel, and who knows what they'll do depending on how these sell, but Marvel will do have two ongoing series of Star Wars, and then they will have a continuous run of miniseries. I think uh, it's so, smart because they've got such a cachet of amazing artists yeah um but they you can't guarantee that they're going to be on anything ongoing and so you're only going to get one arc out of them anyway right so that that sounds like a really good idea yeah no i think it's a fantastic idea and i'm hoping that with these if these sell well that they'll look to expand on outside of just the original trilogy and try to create some stuff um but we'll see what happens um I'm very excited. I will say that unless it's ridiculously expensive, I will try to get every variant cover of Star Wars number one, because how often do you get to buy Star Wars number one? Yeah. <laughs> By Marvel. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I know that Mar- I know how Marvel is. They'll probably be one of those variant covers that's like $125 to obtain, and I won't do that. But, right. <laughs> but you know, if, if one of the covers is 25 bucks to get it, I might do that. Just for the sake of having it. Yeah. So see, for me, it's got, I couldn't do that. I mean, I, but you like the property way more right. than I do. So I think, uh, yeah, but yeah. that's, I, I'm excited about it though. I am really excited about the launch oh, yeah. and I knew it would be, I was like, you know, Marvel's got to put their big name talent on this kind of thing. Oh yeah. And it, well, and it shocked me because I wasn't expecting to get this type of news from San Diego Comic-Con. I, I didn't know it was going to be announced. Yeah. I should have known because I was hoping that they were going to say something, but I thought there was a good chance they weren't going to come out with a star Wars comic for like until halfway into 2015. Right. So the fact that they're coming out with the omnibus, well, I think it, the omnibus it does. Make, usually Marvel is really good about releasing comics based on an upcoming movie six months yep. before the movie comes out. Yeah, and they've they've done that pretty regularly, so it's, I guess it's not terribly uh, out yeah. of place. Well, and the omnibus that is in October solicits doesn't actually come out till January of 2015. So what you're going to have is in the first month of January 2015, you're going to have the omnibus come out yeah. of the original stories, and you're going to have issue number one come out of Star Wars. 
Yeah. So that's just going to be amazing. So really looking forward to that. So uh, that's all the news I had. There was other San Diego Comic-Con news. I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to mention that you had heard about. Um, that's all I had as far as what related to our show that I could remember. Yeah, no, that's just that sounds good to me, so we can cool. wrap up there. All right, sounds good. Well, let me go ahead and give our information out. Uh, you can find us at starjoes.com. You can find us at theforumforgeeks.com, where you can interact with us every day. You can also interact with us on Facebook. Just uh, like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at Starjoes Podcast. You can uh, leave us an email at starjoespodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to us on GeekCast Radio Network. In fact, Chuck and I recently did uh, an episode with them. It's uh, If you look up GCRN, and I think it's episode number 68, uh, it's just Chuck and me talking about the origins of the podcast and what's changed over the years and stuff like that. So check that out. And... Uh, you can also call us and leave us a voicemail. We haven't had one in a while, so uh, it's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-J-O-E-S. And, uh, Robert, how can they find you? Um, you can find me online just through Robert Atkins Art. I have a blog. It's just robertatkinsart.blogspot.com. That's where I post uh, updates on what I'm working on and examples of various commissions or whatever I can get done. Uh, and then also on Facebook and Twitter under the same name. Uh, you can email me or message me through any of those sites. Awesome. All right. Well, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and close by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. <laughs> you. From me to you, you got to be crazy. You know what I'm talking about? Full goose bozo. Because what is reality? If you need a seat on the bus, you have to go, excuse me. Now that do it, don't you? Yeah, well, messes them up. Sometimes if they call for your taxes, go. That should put them aside for a day or two. Got to be crazy. You've got to. Because madness is the only way I've stayed alive. Used to be a comedian. Used to a long time ago. It's true. There are some good memories. It's too late now for that. Can't even jumpstart the sucker. But it doesn't matter, though. I can gum you to death. I'm being grotesque, but you've got to be. You see what I mean? You've got to be crazy. It's too late to be sane. Too late. You've got to go full tilt, bozo. Because <laughs> you're only given a little spark of madness. And if you lose that, you're nothing. Don't. From, from me to you, don't ever lose that because it keeps you alive. Because if you lose that, that's my only love. Crazy. Because there's no way any government in the world can handle madness. Because you got to fly above it all. Remember, angels, they have wings because they take themselves lightly. <laughs> and long time ago, crazy-ass motherfucker <laughs> named Lord Buckley said, remember him? 
one of the original full goose bozos. <laughs> a man who took nothing seriously. I don't want to preach to you, because preaching is like what my grandfather used to say, you can fool some of the people some of the time and jerk the rest off. <laughs> that sucks. But from me to you, keep bozo. You got to. And like Lord Buckley said, you said, people, they're kind of like flowers. It's been a privilege kind of pollinating here in your garden. Come back, I'll be here. <laughs>